Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. Gabriel. Porches touchdown, Nick Anderson. This is 365 Sports, powered by Sikkim365.com. Jawar Jordan. It's the hole off right tackle. Jordan. Here we go. This place is going to rock. 365 Sports is presented by IdealMRI.com. High-quality MRIs for $497 or less. IdealMRI.com. Your health is important. So is your budget. Missouri still trying to get set from the end zone. Cook throws wide. Sixty-five Sports is also brought to you by Texas Farm Bureau Insurance, protecting Texans since 1952. Here's King from the pocket, flush to his right with six, five, going to loop it downfield, and ball is caught! Touchdown, Georgia Tech! With one second to go in the ball game, Christian Leary holds it in! If you subscribe to our YouTube channel, search 365 Sports on YouTube. Brought to you by TFNB, your bank for life. They pitch it left. Williams goes down. And USC wins the game in triple overtime. 365 Sports is turbocharged by Unite Private Networks. Find out more at UnitePrivateNetworks.com. Trey Benson off to the races. One guy to beat. High stepping. He got smoked for the Hokies. Touchdown. 85 yards. Now here's Paul Catalina. Alongside Jack McKenzie. Another Friday, sands the smokes. Just it, it's non-smoking today. That's why I guess what we can call it. And they're off uh, doing high school football. They are in uh, where are they this week? They're in Bryan, Texas this week. Uh yeah. That's my ancestral manse, Jack. My my father's family's from there. Spent a lot of time down in Bryan. Brian High School is where they're doing the game tonight. But uh, lots to get to in college football. A really great uh, schedule of games. And, of course, the big story continues to be uh, the Michigan sign-stealing investigation. And today they suspended football staffer Connor Stallions, which, got to tell you, pretty bitchin' name. Uh, (laughs) Honestly, yeah. I mean, can you imagine walking into a place and going, hey, Connor Stallions. I, it, it It is very much a um, major market 6 and 10 o'clock newsman name. Yes, that's very accurate. Like, I very much like, agree. yeah, Action News with Connor Stallions. 
and Gale Justice. And then, like, you just <laughs> roll into it. You might have oversold it with Gale Justice there. But. Oh, listen. And they've got a weather guy named Storms McGinty. <laughs> Come on now. I mean, that's what that's what Connor Stallions is. Now, right now, he's masquerading as a, you know... Sign-stealing analyst A sign-stealing analyst who he went to the Naval Academy. He was an ex-military guy uh, that works on that, so whatever he's doing. But Connor Stallions, like you're telling me, look, you're telling me if you're watching the 6 o'clock news in your town and, like, the one dude is named, like, Carl Jones and then you're going to turn out, you're going to watch Connor Stallions. That's who you're going to watch on your local news. But... Uh, he's been suspended with pay from Michigan. Uh, he's a member of their recruiting department that specializes in analytics, and he is the central to the NCAA's investigation into the sign-stealing scandal. Say that three times fast. Sign-stealing scandal, sign-stealing scandal, sign-stealing scandal. Congratulations. Yes. Uh, he so retired from the Marine up. Corps in 2022 and joined Michigan's football staff as an analyst. He is... Uh, deactivated all of his social media, including his LinkedIn bio today, but that LinkedIn bio said his military background is useful in identifying the opponent's most likely course of action and most dangerous course of action and identifying and exploiting critical vulnerabilities. I'm just imagining how giddy Harbaugh was in the interview oh. to hire him. And then they, like, there's some contact. Like, he was at Michigan, and then he went to, like, Navy. Like, he's been through. Um, so... Sign stealing illegal, isn't illegal in college football, but off-campus, in-person scouting of future opponents is. Now, to go into some of the history for why it is, it's the same reason that there's no radios in the helmet, regardless of what they'll say about insurance and making sure they're concussion-proof and all, you know, as, as they can be, because they are in the NFL. You just call them up. Is that the smaller schools with smaller budgets don't want to have them. But I would say that... At the FBS level, everyone can afford it. Yeah, I, I think that's a good baseline. I, I, I think everyone can afford it. Um, I think that that is now with television deals and all that, like that, you know, I don't know how much it costs, but I assume it costs, it, it's probably an add on package with your coach's headsets. I mean, you've got all those, like, I, yeah. I think you can afford it. And look, if LSU is putting air conditioning in helmets at this point, I think that everyone in the FBS can probably get on the yep. our quarterback and our middle linebacker have a radio in their helmets that cuts off 15 se- seconds before the play. Yeah, absolutely. So, um I don't even Here's the deal. I've never even had a problem with if they could just yell at them the whole time. I think it probably benefits the player a little bit more cuz they can't like to me that's more about not like the cheating aspect or like advantage of just a coach being able to yell in his quarterback's headset like ah 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 you know and that would annoy me. I mean, it, as long as you can keep them from cheating by having the coach like in the box yeah. calling down what's open to the quarterback during the play. Yeah, I and that, I know that's part of it too, but I do think that you know, like, like reason A is what you just said. You know, hey, by the way, the safety just fell down. Turn to your right and you'll, you know, we're going to score a touchdown. Or, like, just him, like, cursing and yelling. Like, what, like, what would the headset sound like in Zach Wilson's ears in a lot of those games he's played so far if they just left it on? I mean, just coaches up there flipping Nathaniel Hackett, like flipping out. <laughs> Get rid of it. Get rid of it. Throw the damn ball, Zach. <laughs> yeah. So that that's part of that's that's 
that's the lesser reason, but the one that I think people would be most relieved with if you were an actual quarterback or a linebacker. You know, just not having the guy being able to yell in your head the whole time. Quarterback goes from being like the coolest job to being one of the most annoying jobs on the football field, I feel like, yeah. at, at that point. Uh, can I be a wide receiver or a tight end or something? <laughs> you know what? I'm just going to eat a bunch of cheeseburgers. And I'm going to be a guard. I, <laughs> I ran a lot in, in, in college. Put, just put me a running back coach. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, anyway, but they've suspended Connor Stallions uh, during this investigation, and there are varying degrees of reports, and this has actually been kind of – being looked into for a long time. There's a lot of Big Ten teams. Ohio State was aware of Connor Stallions last year. Ross Dellinger's done a lot of great reporting on this, as he does everything uh, he reports on, in that um, there is, you know, he's, um, you know, they're seeing if it's a combination of in-person scout scouting plus video and all these things that you're not supposed to be doing, uh, but... Uh, on on campus scouting was banned in 1994 as a cost saving measure. In high school, they on campus scout, or uh, and in the pros, they send scout. You can send scouts to games now. The the Patriots have, if you'll remember, Jack got in trouble a few years ago because the people they sent to, I think, scout the Bengals. I think it was the Bengals that they were scouting um, and doing some things that were not allowed. Um, I remember because. Either the Bengals or somebody was playing the Cowboys that year, whoever it was, and there was like an increased protocol for the scouts after that happened because that team was uh, coming up before they played the Patriots. So it was they'd gotten caught like a couple weeks before, and the Cowboys were kind of the team in the middle. I can't. I wish I could remember. But I remember being in the press box and um, you know it kind of being the scuttlebutt of like, oh well, yeah, they had to do something different with the scouts and you know all, all of this. So. Uh, there is, uh, so there's that, I mean, so it is cost cutting. So it's not necessarily even a thing about stealing signs and stealing signs happen. Brent Venables is apparently just like he's second nature to him that he's able to pick these things up. He's really, he's really, really good at it. Um, if you see it on tape that you're watching in your living room as you're prepping for the game, if you see uh, it in person across the field, I feel like that's pretty fair game. Look, like just like in baseball, stealing signs is commonplace. It's just when you, when you're not doing it with just your eyes, when you're adding in technology to it, that's where it becomes cheating and not gamesmanship. Like that's the line between cheating and gamesmanship. And like if if your tape is the broadcast tape, I feel fine in that scenario yeah. using the tech technology. You yeah. know, but if you're if you have special cameras that are recording just just for the signs, just like if you've got a you know signals on the defensive coordinator and the you know. And the people holding up, you know, Mickey Mouse, Burt Reynolds, burrito, like whatever the, that that code means, and then you've got a code breaker recording that and taking it all down, then I think you're you're now over the line of gamesmanship and now into cheating. Mm-hmm. That's what, like, the Astros, here's the deal, like, when they tried to, like, well, everybody steals signs, yeah, but not everybody videotapes it, and then during it, bats goes in. Bangs on a trash can. Yeah watches it and then has somebody bang on a trash can like there's there's subtlety and nuance to this and skills that are acquired yes if your if your catcher isn't good enough at disguising them and the guy at second base can pick up what you're doing and then he can signal into the the hitter what's coming yeah that's kind of on you yeah i mean but absolutely 
And look, um, but if you've got a camera out somewhere yeah. in center field and, that's doing the job when you don't have a runner on second and you're relaying it through a bunch of other technology to the hitter, no matter what the situation is. Oof. And I saw Bud Elliott, um, who does the podcast with, with Danny Cannell on, on C, from CBS. And, um, you know, Bud, Bud is a firebrand, like whatever you, you watch and, and feel about him. Um, anyway, but he, he had a whole thing. If you're not cheating, you're not trying, you know, all, all those different things. Where I think he mentioned, as he would because he's another FSU guy like me, but he mentioned that sign stealing came into effect in the 2013 national championship game, which it did. But I would call that less of sign stealing and more of Damian Craig, who worked on Florida State staff the year before, just remembered them, and Jimbo wasn't wasn't savvy enough to change them until his players came over and said, "Hey, um, you were that guy that used to work here." Yeah, he knows what we're doing. So we've got to change that. And then it's like, oh, yeah, crap, he did used to work here. <laughs> Better get him back. <laughs> yeah. you know. And now Damian Craig is with Jimbo at Texas A&M, uh, and um, they work well together. But that was, you know, say sign stealing. Um, if I told you something, like if I, you know, Jack, if I put this bottle of water out there for you and told you you could have it, and then you took it much later than I offered it to you. I stole it. You didn't steal it. You just took it later. And no, I, didn't, I stole it, Paul. Yeah, I didn't change it. I didn't take it back. I didn't, you know. Look, the point is you never wanted me to have it. Therefore, it's stealing. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. But Yeah, no. It's, uh, it's really interesting. And um, when it comes to the, like, if you ain't cheating, you ain't trying thing, I would like to kind of compare it to if you're not using the whole field inside the boundaries, you're not doing your job as a coach or a player, but if you go outside the boundaries and expect to be like have those yards or that touchdown count when Mm -hmm. you stepped out of bounds, no, you should be ruled down. Yeah, look, part of the thing about some of the new, like the spread offense was and why defense coordinators had such a hard time dealing with it and why they had to change the rules was is that one of the things you could take advantage of of – Substitutions as you've got your guys playing so out far outside the hash. You could sneak guys on and off. That you could just be like, okay, you're on, you're off. And like this defensive back comes on and you've had one guy, you know, basically run 75 yards down the field at a dead sprint. He's coming back sucking wind. And then you're going to go over the top with the guy that you've just had waiting over here. Uh, who's the guy you really wanted to throw the ball to in the first place? So that's why they have that substitution rule where the umpire stands over the ball and and waits, you know, to make sure that everybody can sub. I'm surprised that rule hasn't been abused more. Um, I mean, now it's like, I think there's just, you see it. Just like to run down play clocks on teams who don't have time, yeah. stuff like that. Yeah, um, well, the offense substitutes first. So, like, if the defense chooses to substitute and the offense isn't there, yeah. then the offense is just going to go, oh, well, here we go. But uh, so, but if the offense subs, then... I remember hmm. seeing one game that ended because the offense chose to sub and the defense took its sweet time to sub. Yeah, I do think that, that eventually... That the hell out of me. I think that eventually we'll, there'll be a... Uh, there'll be some sort of a... About if somebody keeps trying to do that, I, I think it. I think ten seconds is reasonable to run a guy off and run another guy on. Yeah, like exactly. I, they, I feel like they. You can call the delay eventually. Game. Some someone will try and take advantage of it so much so and so openly that uh, that yeah. they'll have to add like I, a cap. I, and I and I've seen several like delay of game penalties in the end of game, like in a two minute drill where you know they throw a pass to the middle of the field and then the defender like lays on top of the guy for a second, pretends like oh I'm stuck. Look at me. I'm a big defensive tackle. Oh, 
darn my midsection and ab work. Help me up. And then they get to the delay of game or they like, I've seen it even more. Uh, I saw it in an NFL game, which I thought was wild because, you know, they're going to be on top of more than anything where a guy just kicked the ball away. Yep. Like, you know, but they just kicked the ball away. Like, well, there's the clock stopped and they're five yards close to their hot shot. So, you know, best laid plans of mice and men. So, yeah, I, I like there is games like there's the line between gamesmanship and cheating and what needs to be figured out in here in this whole Connor Stallions new seven anchor um, thing is, is this gamesmanship? Is this guy just really good at this because of his background? Or has he stepped over the line and cheated? And then, well, the top five's about this today. My question will remain, so what are you going to do about it? What are you going to do? Like, what is the NCAA going to do about it? If Jim Harbaugh wins the national title this year and then leaves and goes to the NFL, and then two years from now the NCAA decides to get in his kitchen, A, does it matter, and B, nobody at Michigan will ever feel like they didn't win the national title vacating doesn't matter, especially not to the people that you beat along the way. And you're just going to set up a situation where you're going to complain for all time. Like the Dodgers will about the 2017 Astros. Well, of course. And they like, and the Dodgers are justifiable in saying like, Hey, like there was something going on here, but you can't like, it doesn't take away the, you didn't take away the trophy. You know, you can't do it over again. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's just so, that's just how it goes. Uh, in the next segment, we'll talk to uh, Joseph Duarte. I do have one more thing. I'm trying to download the video real quick uh, on the Michigan sign-stealing stuff. Um, essentially, it was um, Greg Schiano. I'm not sure exactly which year. Uh, I think it was last year. It or was maybe, last year. Or was it, you, you know uh, the video I'm talking was, about? Yeah, I saw this video. It's either last year or this year. Do you mind if I play it? No, not at all. Go ahead. Okay, give me one sec. Yeah, so Greg Schiano... Now, they've said, like, I think because they're trying to keep themselves out of this, they've, Rutgers has said he was talking about something else, but this is a little bit, like, this is a little bit suspicious. Coach, four penalties for your team in the first half. Some that cost you. How do you clean that up in the second half? Well, there's some stuff going on out there, so we just got to slow it down a little bit. There's some things going on that aren't right as well, so we'll talk about how to handle it. This Michigan defense keeping Gavin Wimson in this passing game in check. How do you adjust? Well, just got to keep playing. You know, in the game, we just got to keep playing. All right. Thanks, Coach. All right. Uh, by the way, Jack, do you know, this is a trivia question for you, who Greg Schiano's college roommate was at Rutgers? Oh, uh, I feel like I've heard this, but I don't remember it. It, it. Tony Soprano, James Gandolfini. Oh. James Gandolfini was his college roommate. They're, they're, they were quite good friends. They're in the, and, um... Um, I remember when it, like, Chiano was in his first run at Rutgers before he came back, um, that James Gandolfini was, like, on the sideline. And the way that he said that, like, some stuff going on. We'll talk about it. We'll figure, like, <laughs> that was so New Jersey Italian. Like, yeah, something's not, something's right. We'll talk about it. We'll figure out how to deal with it. You know, you, you know, the guy. You know, did you see the guy about the thing? You know, the guy? Yeah. Yeah, yeah another guy. Yeah. You've, I, we, we, Jack, I, we, we ironed out the details. We've got to take care of Have you seen Goodfellas? No. Okay, there's a scene in Goodfellas. Um, it's towards the end of the movie where Robert De Niro and Ray Liotta are talking, and Ray Liotta like, is about to flip and talk to the FBI. And um, Robert De Niro's like, 
you know, I, I need you to go down. Go down to, to Florida, take out something. I, there was the guy or something, and, like, it was so vague. That was so New Jersey Italian vague right there of, like, yeah, something going on. I don't like it. Don't like it. You know, we'll figure it out. We'll figure out how to work of it, but I uh, don't like it. Some, something's going on wrong. So, I, um, yeah, I like, I wonder, how, like, if he was talking about that. I mean, that people are thinking that he was talking about that. Uh, but also... <laughs> Do you really, if you're Michigan, do you need to steal the signs to beat Rutgers? I mean, that's why is all any of this necessary. So, <laughs> Sir blah, 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 after MC Gusto goes, hasn't seen Goodfellas? And Sir Pablo goes, is he 12? Like, no, he's twice that. But, yeah, basically, in, Damn. Mo- in movie years, Jack is 12. We'll just say I'm a that. TV person. He's more of a TV guy. You know, most people like Goodfellas, Jack. I'm not guaranteeing you'll like it, but I would. It's say, on my list. I, I know. Just, so yeah, you know how how much I work. I don't I exactly have a lot of time for movies, and it's and it's a three plus hour movie. Oh God, it's a Scorsese. I'm so. not. I'm probably not going to watch that. Yeah. Then I can't remember the last time I watched a three hour movie. Yeah. Um, Saint Dominic's Rosary. This whole sign stealing thing is much ado about nothing. To quote Mike Tyson, "Everyone has a plan until they get punched in the mouth." Michigan is punching teams in the mouth, stealing signs. Ha ha ha! But yeah, like that's that's like part of that statement is true. But like for for all intents and purposes, like the Astros could have been absolutely the best team that year and could have won without yeah. it. But we will not know if they keep doing it, mm-hmm. and so it makes complete sense why there would be consternation or people calling for there to be an asterisk next to every win because you like you have a plan until you get punched in that what if the punch is the cheating yeah what if the punch is the cheating yeah what if yeah what if okay yeah it's great but if if i put you know weights in my gloves right then then i'm cheating so yeah there there's 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 nuance to this and i think that it's, it's not cut and dry it's not cut and dry i like i'm not a pearl clutcher just in general, I just like to like lay out the like the the pathways of things, yeah. and then and then and then explore the facts. Because I'm not like a how dare you like you know oh my gosh like he Jim Harbaugh's not the first person who's pushed the line on this. Now does he look to me like a habitual line pusher? Yes, he does. He he does. And that's the mark of some of the best coaches out there. Yeah. Bill Belichick, habitual line pusher. Like that's what they do. But do, do you push it or do you cross it? And where you cross it is the problem. So if this is him just pushing it, then like, okay, there was some overreaction there, but it's still worthy of investigation to be like, ah, he's probably not doing anything. Ah, he's probably not doing anything. Ah, it's probably fine. I mean, that's, that's, that's how you like walk into a building and be like, oh, it's uh, those joists are all bad. How did that happen? You're like, ah, ten yeah. years of, eh, it'll probably be fine. Yeah, I mean, I go back to to what I was trying to make the kind of metaphor with earlier, but like a receiver is supposed to use every blade of grass they can to get open and get the ball. The second they step out of bounds with their own free will and they come back in, if they touch the ball first, it's a flag. Yeah, it's a penalty. Like. Yeah, I don't know how many different ways to put it, but yeah, I feel like that's a pretty solid one. Staying with the sport, yeah. Tony L. Barber, I was six when Goodfellas came out. It's old, but I love it. And the Godfather series, and he says we should watch the four version of Once Upon a Time in America. Guess what? I have. <laughs> Before I was married, when I had four hours to myself, 
So there. <laughs> I've done Hope it. Hope Amanda wasn't listening. Oh, she knows. <laughs> she knows. I tell you, like, she's got... If, I mean, if you want to talk about, like, useless wife superpowers, and I'm sure oh, that everyone's wife has one. Mine is, like, when I'm watching something for 30 or 45 minutes, she will ask me a question, not at, like, the part of, like, you know, when the credits are rolling at the beginning of the end, like, right in the middle where something is about to happen, and then, like, I've missed the moment. Like, she's, she's pretty good at that. I tease her about it all the time. When we come back... Houston and Texas, something that Texas's old AD, DeLos Dodd, said would never happen. Well, it's going to happen at least one more time. Texas and Houston. Joseph Duarte talks about the buzz around the Cougars versus Texas, which could be a blowout or it could wind up being one of the craziest upsets in history. We don't know. That's why they play the game. That's coming up next. This is 365 Sports. Some say a dog is man's best friend. But I tell you Pigs and turkeys too. I love to cover them in sauce down at Rudy's Barbecue. Bring all your friends to Rudy's for some tasty oak smoke barbecue. Next in line. During Jeep Adventure Days, say big on 2023 Jeep models like the Grand Cherokee Limited with values up to $5,500 or 10% off MSRP on new Jeep Gladiators on all trim levels or 10% off MSRP on a new Jeep Compass at Allen Samuels in Waco. Boozers is the wedding ring store and more. If you're ready to get engaged or already married and want to upgrade your wife's ring for a special anniversary, Boozers is the place to go. With the largest selection of premier quality diamond engagement rings and wedding rings in Central Texas. They have seven cases with over 300 styles of rings from top designers like Natalie Kay. Choose from yellow, white, or rose gold, plus beautiful top quality loose diamonds. With an in-house jewelry, they can also custom make anything you want. Bring in a picture or drawing and let Boozers create your one-of-a-kind pendant or ring. They can even use some of your old gold and diamond jewelry to create something new. At Boozers, you'll find a great selection of quality timepieces, and Boozers is the place for expert watch maintenance and repairs, too. They specialize in expert Rolex watch repair for fine jewelry, watches, custom work, and more. Go to Boozers on Valley Mills and Lake Air Drive in Waco. Riverbend Liquor and Wine now has two locations to serve you. The original on Lakeshore Drive and North 19th Street and the brand new spot in downtown Waco at 600 Franklin Avenue. If you're looking for the best in craft beers or local Texas bourbons, then the original is the place to be. And for the latest trends and online phenomenons, head downtown to the Franklin location. Either way, you're going to get the same great variety, customer service, and speedy experience. Check out both locations on their Facebook and Instagram pages. Riverbend Liquor and Wine, Lakeshore Drive and North 19th Street, and now downtown on Franklin Avenue. Stepping into a new pair of boots is great, but stepping into the boots of a U.S. Army officer can also add confidence and leadership skills to your son or daughter's career path. There are more than 150 occupational specialties to help them find the best fit for their future. See all the things your son or daughter can achieve in our boots at GoArmy.com. U.S. Army Waco Recruiting Company, 254-598-8131 or 254-776-1543. 
Daniel Johnson Realtors guide you seamlessly through the process of buying your dream home or selling your current one. Commercial, farm and ranch, or residential, Camille Johnson Realtors can smoothly and successfully lead you through any transaction. With a team of 28 experienced agents who are excited about serving you, Camille Johnson Realtors services the entire greater Waco area. If you're in the market to buy or sell, contact Camille Johnson Realtors, 104 Midway Center in Woodway, or find them online at www.camillejohnson.com. Camille Johnson Realtors, elegant, charming, warm. Welcome home. This is 365 Sports. The 3 o'clock hour is sponsored by Waco Custom Marketplace. Meats, sweets, Texas treats, and a cut above the rest. 425 Lake Air Drive, Waco. Things are different when you do the show solo. I'll just say that. So if you notice that that return took about 30 seconds longer. I forgot to warn him. That's on me. Yeah. <laughs> but there's just two of us in the room today. So uh, bare bones. But uh, Joseph Duarte joins us now, covers the Houston Cougars. And Joseph, this is um, – look, I, I in no way do, like should anyone – like be picking this upset regularly or all that, but there is a lot of emotion going into this game, particularly from Houston fans, because a long time ago, DeLos Dodd said they'd never set foot in Houston in the stadium again. And now at least one more time in the history of the world, this is going to happen. And I know there's going to be a lot of Longhorn fans there, but is the Cougar faithfuls dander up this week for this one in particular? Well, this, this is the Super Bowl. I mean, mm-hmm. this was the one on the schedule that they looked at, that they hoped that they would get, because, you know, there, there were no guarantees. You knew that you have Texas for one year. Would, would you have to go to Austin? I got the feeling that the Big 12 was going to send Oklahoma and Texas to as many places as, as they could, and Houston seemed like the natural spot to host this game. But, but yes, the, the fan base has been pumped for this one. Uh, you know, Dana Hogerson said this week, look, uh, the message has been just beat Texas. You can go one in 11, but just make sure that one win is against Texas. Now, I don't really believe that, that he can go one in 11. Uh, but overall, it just shows the, the magnitude of what this game means to people. Uh, the fact that it's only, it's been 21 years since they played. Uh, you know, you had Andre Ware and Vince Young get together this week here in town to kind of pump up the game. So there's a lot of interest, a lot of excitement and, uh, you're right. Sellout crowd probably going to be 60-40 Texas if I had to guess, but uh, nonetheless, it's going to be a, a great atmosphere. Just for historical purposes, for that fan base, when Texas went to the Big 12, when all the stuff was said that was said, how how much did that sting? It did. And, you know, I think Houston fans and really a lot of fan bases typically want to blame Texas for everything. It doesn't matter. It rains tomorrow. Blame Texas. You know, <laughs> the, you ran out of hot dogs at the thing. Blame Texas. Uh, and that's just the way things are. But in terms of what this, uh, the sort of the, the last 30 years for Texas, you know, the politics involved and, and them not getting uh, into the Big 12 when it was originally formed, uh, there was a lot of resentment from Houston fans uh, over that, whether it was A&M, Texas, Baylor, uh, TCU, a combination of all of them. 
And and then you look at what's happened since the, the 2016 flirtation where Texas actually came out and publicly supported Houston's bid then. Uh, so that was sort of, uh, you know, maybe the things were turning then, but still no one got in. And then finally, you know, Texas gets in. But, you know, this this runs really deep. Uh, back in the 70s when Houston first joined the Southwest Conference, they won, I believe, three of the first four years of uh, that they were in the, the Southwest Conference Championship. So Houston had a lot of success. Uh, they beat uh, Texas handily during the run-and-shoot era of the late 80s. I think it was three out of four in Andre Ware's years. Uh, and then uh, you look at the Bleacher Gate. That's the most recent, and that's sort of where the Lost Dodges comments came in. Back in 2001, they were they meeting at Robertson Stadium. U of H put up some uh, temporary bleachers that were eventually deemed unsafe, and they had to uh, send a lot of uh, Texas fans next door to Hoffine Pavilion to watch the game on a on a TV screen. So there's there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of bad blood between the schools, and you know if you're going to play one time. You know, Houston fans, they're going to get their money's worth out of this one. Yeah, absolutely. How much do you think last week buoys their spirits? Not only winning in a Hail Mary fashion, which that momentum and that excitement is great, but the way particularly Donovan Smith played in the second half of that game. It, it, it really boosted because this was a program that desperately needed a win. Uh, I saw the TV pan to Dana uh, after West Virginia went up. and You could just see the look of, you know, they let another one slip away, uh, which has been common in the, in the closing seconds. And then for them to win it the way that they did, a huge momentum boost. And, and for Donovan Smith, he completed his last 16 passes in that game. He's completing 83% in the last three games, nine touchdowns, no picks. Uh, it's been a different Donovan Smith. And when he's on like that, this offense has shown the ability to put up points, 41 against West Virginia, 28 against uh, Texas Tech, and that was basically in one half, and then what they did against Sam Houston. So uh, there's a blueprint, and Donovan Smith knows how to beat Texas. He did it last year. That could be an interesting storyline in this game and, and him playing well recent and having that experience of beating the Longhorns last year. Joseph, how big was that win for Dana Holgerson's future last week? It, it, it was big because I, I think Another loss in that situation, and it really amps up the the calls for Houston to make a change and 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 make it more of a more uh, a sooner rather than later change. But the fact that they win that one, I think the 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 hot seat meter is still really warm, but it gives him an opportunity to see where they can take this because. If you're two and four going into Texas versus what they are now three and three, that's, that's a big difference. And you think about that Rice game; they could be four and two right now and just need two out of the last six to get to bowl. If he gets to a bowl, I, I see him coming back. That's a tough challenge right now because the next two weeks against Texas and Kansas State are going to be tough. Uh, but he needed that win, and you could see sort of a collective sigh after the game that you know they uh, sort of lived to play a, another week and lived to coach another week. So my my assessment, we've talked to, I mean, you talked to him a lot more than we do, but we've had Chris Pesman on the show, is his feeling, you know, about Dana Holgerson, especially because they kind of knew what their roster situation, it, it, it kind of was going to be going into the year. They got a little bit raided by the portal. Um, it's going to be their first year that wanted to see how, like, how how far they had to go before they, you know, kind of right. 
make long-term decisions. Is half of a season enough to know where they really are? Or is it, you know, if they kind of keep winning and losing, winning and losing, is that okay for right now? I, I, I think it's okay. And I, and I think they, you know, they go the full season. If they were to make a change and they, they were sort of pushed against a wall that they had to make a change, it would, it would probably be uh, a coordinator, for instance. And, and maybe that gives Dana the, the ability to get another year because you're right. The, the expectations, you know, the AD came out and said six and six bowl game, be competitive. Those were sort of the year one expectations in the big 12. And, you know, Dana has, you know, they've had two years to, to sort of get this roster to where they thought, and it's going to take more than two years. And they've shown that there's clearly a, a body type and, and talent level that you have to get to uh, when you play in the big 12 moving up from the American so I, I, I think if they continue and, and, you know, they have the win one here, lose one here, at this point you're running into what? the five, You have about a month left in the yeah. season. You don't, you don't make a move until the end, and maybe that's when you reevaluate things. I would imagine worst-case scenario uh, that, that, they, that they, make change, they make a wholesale change across the board. Best case, maybe there's some, some moves on the coaching staff and they give Dana one more year. Yeah, the um, the recruiting for them in particular, um, and this is no knock on, on Cincinnati, which is in a nice hot recruiting hotbed. Arizona State's coming in, nice recruiting hotbed. Mm-hmm. Orlando. But if you had told a coach, like, you can get three cities to recruit in, almost all of them would pick Houston. Like, you can't go anywhere else. You get three cities. Almost all of them would pick Houston as one of them. So I would think it would bear out to see how you can do over a little bit more time just even keeping your local talent there. Oh, yeah. And if you just keep a few of them, I mean, think about the talent that comes through. There's there's plenty for every mouth to feed, you know, among schools because, I mean, this is such a, a recruiting hotbed. And to Dana's credit, if you look at the, the class that, that he got last year, you know, that includes – uh, Jonah Wilson, he's the four-star receiver. Mikhail Harrison, pilot, he was a four-star receiver. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jacoby Banks, he was another one. Parker Jenkins. So, I mean, they had some really good fits uh, for this team. And, and the, the two receivers haven't had to play this year because they're a lot deeper at receiver uh, than what they thought they were going to be. So, you know, his last recruiting class, for, I guess, for 23 was, was, you know, filled with some really nice pieces. And I think it, it gives them the opportunity. You know, they've been off a little bit of a slow start this year. I, 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 last check, I believe they were maybe at eight or so recruits for, for 24. Uh, and now with the rule change and how many guys you bring in, Dana's made it a point to say that a, a lot of what they're going to do is probably going to include the portal. You know, they're going to they're gonna have pick their spots with, with high school recruits. But, they, you know, when you need to turn things around and you need to fill some holes fast, the portal's the way to go. So, I think you're right. You know, if you give them that another year to see what you can do from a recruiting standpoint, especially in Houston, you can make a difference and you can change your roster pretty fast. Now, I know that Dana Holgerson isn't um, like a free and easy type guy, just in general. (laughs) Uh, But if he's ever had a game where, you know, he can play free and easy, like they can coach free and easy. And I mean, there's, there's not expectations on Houston to win this game. And, Texas now, uh, because they want to get back in the Big 12 title game, they just took the loss to Oklahoma. You know, they're at maybe 
could be the only time this year where they're maybe at a, like an emotionally vulnerable point. Uh, so is there a bit of, you know, just play it free and easy, damn the torpedoes, let's go? There should be. I mean, that that's sort of the, you know, he was like this week, you know, we got nothing to lose. And that's probably the best approach to take, put all the pressure on Texas. Texas doesn't want to be the team to come in to lose to a 500 Houston. They don't want to see everything just blow up in their face, their chance at the playoff, all that stuff. And like you said, if you're Houston, you upset Texas and, you know, Dana, Dana's for sure coming back. Uh, it, it's the one, it's the one game, you know, that's that, that game. Like you said, free and easy, send your guys out there. Uh, play loose and and I think that's what you'll see because you don't you know you're not it's not a pressure pack situation you know there's not uh, nobody expects Houston to win the same I think I saw where it was seven percent chance or less to win this game according to most of the analytics so what do you have to lose so I think that's the best approach and you just see how it plays out I remember in 2016 third ranked Louisville came to Houston now Houston had a, a pretty decent uh, you know, win before the, at the beginning of the year to Oklahoma. Their defense is pretty good. But really, everybody thought Lamar Jackson was going to come in and they were going to put up another 40, 50 points like they had everyone else that season. And Houston gets a bunch of turnovers. They're up 30. They sack them 11 times, and, and it's a huge upset. Could that happen? Probably not. But that was a game that nobody thought Houston would be competitive in, and they ended up winning. So stranger things have happened, and uh, – that's why uh, that's why every Saturday is pretty fun to watch. They need to show that game on a loop like they do Rudy at the Notre Dame bookstore. Like just <laughs> over and over and over again. Exactly. Yeah, or any wins Andre wears three wins over Texas. Like throw those throw those on everywhere they step. Just little moments so they they're just in their subconscious. Joseph, thanks that's for That's what people don't realize. Yeah. With with you know, this is more for the older generation mm-hmm. that that remembers the, the rivalry and the Southwest Cup, this means a lot to those. You know, if you ask a, a college freshman or sophomore right now, they, they have no idea about ben, even Vince Young, you know. And we're talking, that's just 18 years ago. None of yeah. these people were born for the yeah. most part. But, but it's still a rivalry game, and they don't play very often. So if you're Houston, if this is the last chance you're going to get, you know, go out there and win. Otherwise, you're going to need Kelvin Sampson to, uh, to win a couple uh, in basketball season. Yeah, absolutely. Joseph, thanks so much for joining us. Always appreciate the time when we get it. Enjoy the game this week. Thanks a lot. Thanks, right. Paul. There you go. Joseph Duarte, Houston Chronicle. Love talking to him. He's, he's uh, you know, when, like, there are, like, the best beat writers at covering certain things, and he's the best on Houston. He could be the best on anything he does, but he's just the best on Houston. Love love having Joseph on. When we come back, Grayson Grunhafer, Sikkim365.com. We'll talk, how does Baylor attack Cincinnati this week? This is 365 Sports. The right call can make all the difference on and off the field. I'm Mark Stewart with Bird Colgen Ford. When it's time for a new car, truck, or SUV, Bird Colgen Ford is the right call. Come check out our award-winning lineup of best-selling models in their class, like the Mustang, Explore, Expedition, F-150, and Super Duty. Make the right call for your next vehicle at Bird Colgen Ford. Bird Colgen Ford proudly supports Baylor Athletics. Sick'em Bears. 
Ideal MRI, we feel blessed to be part of the Waco community. We're a small family business here in Central Texas. At times like this, the cost of health care has never been more important. And unfortunately, significant illnesses and injuries still occur. And that's why Ideal MRI is open and here to serve you through this difficult time. So if you need an MRI, ask your doctor about Ideal MRI. You can schedule online in minutes at IdealMRI.com or call 833-IDEAL-MRI. Don Humidor, your home with a 48-foot walk-in humidor with the elite cigar brands from around the world, including the number one cigar of the year, Aging Room, Quattro Nicaragua. Plus, they have the great brands like Macanudo and Artur Fuente, Rocky Patel, Aston, and so much more. CBD, great for sore muscles, aches and pains, sleep, Vita Dreams and anxiety, mild depression, general health and wellness. Their staff, very knowledgeable on the subject. If anyone is curious about CBD, ask Carolyn Ashley. Don Schumanor in the Townwood Shopping Center off Valley Mills in Waco. Baylor Scott and White Southwest Sports Medicine Orthopedics, the team physicians for Baylor Athletics, diagnosing and treating all sports-related injuries, including concussions. These specialists also provide orthopedic services for athletes and non-athletes alike. Whether it's knee or shoulder pain, a wrist injury, orthopedic spine care, and even an arthritis and total joint clinic. Trust the doctors Baylor Athletics trust. Baylor Scott and White Southwest Sports Medicine Orthopedics wants to get you back in the game. Waco Custom Marketplace is your hometown grocery store with a full-service butcher shop and baker. Hi, this is David Smoke. The butcher shop can take your customized orders for seafood, pork, and poultry and custom cut your favorite steaks from bacon-wrapped fillets to T-bone to bone and ribeyes. Cut specifically the way you want. They have Norwegian salmon fillets, catfish fillets, sliced ham or turkey and lunch meat, variety of cheese available, and several options of sausage links. Fresh chicken breast or whole chickens, sliced bacon, pork chops, ground beef, marinated beef and chicken fajitas and always large briskets available plus fresh vegetables so the great product customer service and family tradition of the bauer family continues at waco custom marketplace open monday through saturday a full service butcher shop and bakery available waco custom marketplace 425 lake air drive in waco or waco custom marketplace.com The 365 Sports Friday Show is presented by Bird Culchin Ford and the U.S. Army Waco Recruiting Company. Welcome back. Sick of 365.com's Grayson Grunhafer joins us now. Grayson, the bye week has now come and gone. The Bears are on their way to Cincinnati to take on the Bearcats. And neither of these teams, uh, you know, have been waking up in the morning feeling good about where they are. So this is um, kind of an interesting game where one team can come out feeling a little better about themselves, but uh, and the other one is, is in a deeper hole. Um, it is very strange to me also that each thing that the other one does well, the other one has, a, has trouble stopping. So this game could get very bizarre. And I, I really had a hard time picking what I thought was going to happen. And maybe it's just going to be who has the better emotional momentum tomorrow. 
Yeah, it really is an interesting situation for sure. And I think the things that you're going to probably learn from this game, I think based on the season that we've seen so far and based on who these teams have played, I think it's pretty obvious that Cincinnati is a pretty mediocre team, probably not a bowl team as far as, you know, when you watch them play the losses that they have this year um, against the schedule that they face so far. And then you look at Baylor, and you kind of see a team that, you know, lost to a really good Texas team, lost to a really good Utah team. Um, you know, and I mean, they lost to Texas State, who actually has ended up being clearly a bowl team. You know, that might be a eight or nine win team, uh, maybe even 10 wins by the end of the year. Um, and then obviously the terrible performance against Texas Tech. But I truly think that this game is where we're going to learn a whole lot more about Baylor than we do about Cincinnati. And I think that's the fascinating thing about it, because if Baylor goes in there and just gets destroyed or, or plays a really bad game and Cincinnati kind of blows them out or wins by, you know, multiple scores or even beats Baylor, to be honest, then I think we pretty much know that Baylor is probably the worst team in the Big 12, or at least, you know, right in that discussion. Um, I do think if Baylor wins, though, on the road against Cincinnati, it does bring up a fascinating conversation about, you know, expectations for the rest of the season uh, because you see the rest of their schedule and there's a few matchups that look pretty good on paper and then a few matchups that you're probably a little bit more nervous about. But in general, you know, no one on this schedule is a, you know, top 15 team really. I, I mean, maybe Kansas State gets there, but it's just very fascinating. And in my eyes, I just think we're going to learn a whole lot more about Baylor than we do about Cincinnati. Yeah, and just looking at the rest of the schedule, Grayson, you bring up a good point. Look, that uh, this week is Cincinnati, who's in the exact same boat that Baylor is right now. They are like, if they like, if you're putting them in categories, like Baylor and Cincinnati are in the same category right now. Then you've got Iowa State, uh, who is playing really well, and they're a very physical team, and that would seem to be something that would make me nervous, even at home for Baylor on homecoming, which is going to be you know, the most people they have probably have in the stands for the, for the rest of the, you know, for the other home games. Uh, but, uh, and then, but then Houston, like who is Houston? Are they the team that just wanted a Hail Mary against West Virginia? Or are they the team that has played so poorly in second halves that teams have had to stop trying, right? Um, you know, Kansas State and TCU, not great matchups, but West Virginia, who are they? Like they're they're better than everybody thought they would be, but nobody in that series between Baylor and West Virginia has ever won on the road. So I like there are some there are some things to look to look forward to. I guess the key would be seeing some forward momentum out of Baylor, which we have not seen yet. Yeah, and I'm with you. I mean, just like you look at that schedule and you go, Okay, if Baylor can beat Cincinnati on the road, then I mean I think that they should be able to beat, personally, I think they should be able to beat or at least hang with Iowa State at home. Let, let's not forget, Iowa State did lose to Ohio earlier this year, so that's not some juggernaut program right now. And then you look over at Houston, very winnable game. And, I, I mean, I even think, I mean, I, I personally think TCU's going to go in and lose uh, to Kansas State over the weekend, and then they're going to be, what, 3-3 three and three or 3-4 three and four on the year? Um, so that's not a great team either, and it's a rivalry game, a game that's going to mean a lot to Baylor. So, I mean, a lot to look forward to for sure. Uh, but, again, this is the kind of game right here that I think speak, will speak volumes about the rest of the season for Baylor because if you can't beat Cincinnati, then I really – I'm going to – I you know, I put this in the article. There, there's not going to be another team that I'm going to pick them to beat 
with the exception of maybe Houston, and that's a huge maybe uh, even at that point. Yeah, look, what if Houston's gathered some momentum, you know, after last week? We don't know. We'll, we'll find out in the next couple weeks, certainly. Grayson, what should they have changed over the bye week, and what do you expect to see more of this week that they do well? Yeah, so I think there's going to be a couple of changes. Uh, first off, I do think that there will probably be at least one change on the offensive line. There might be more, but I, I think that there will be at least one. I know that you know some of the young guys got some reps this week, which will be very interesting to kind of monitor to see you know what actually does happen with that position. Is they're just going through, you know, some guys are going through learning curves. Other guys are probably playing out of position, and maybe they'll get back to their more natural position. And then other guys are just having a tough time. And so that whole group in, in general needs to come together. Um, I do think that over the bye week, you're also going to see Baylor uh, put a bigger emphasis on the passing game, especially the short passing game on early down. They really got to find a way to make third down be more like third and four or third and three, as opposed to, you know, recently against Texas Tech, you know, you would see them in third and eight, third and 11. And then you're just seeing Blake Shapin take these hits that, frankly, are not sustainable. Like, like that guy cannot take the hits that he took in that Texas State or that Texas Tech game or the Texas State game and feel good about, you know, his outcome the rest of the year. So they're definitely going to be fixing that, trying to make a more, put a more uh, bigger emphasis on that passing game. And it couldn't come at a better time because Cincinnati uh, in the secondary has some real holes and real weaknesses uh, that I do think Baylor should be able to exploit as long as they get just enough, just, just like, the bare minimum amount of protection and also their receivers just have to step up and make some plays. So that's kind of one, those two areas I'm definitely fascinated, fascinated in on the offensive side. And then defensively, um, I think they are probably going to see more of Trey Emery this week on at the nose tackle position. Uh, he's been hurt for the entire year, played a little bit against Texas Tech, but I think he's finally getting to the point where I think he can take on a bigger workload and finally give them, you know, a 310, 320-pound nose tackle that they haven't had all year long. Um, so that's going to be something else I'm going to be looking at to see just how many reps he can handle uh, in a game that he's going to get, you know, maybe close to a full workload. Um, so those type of things are probably the, the biggest things I'm going to be looking for and just seeing if uh, these guys come out and play hard because, frankly, that effort level has been very underwhelming uh, at this point in the season. Grayson, uh, when you mentioned the changes in the offensive line, do you think that, um, in addition to maybe some personnel, do you think that maybe some guys who would return might return at a different spot? That's kind of what I'm thinking might happen this week. I just think that what they've done so far hasn't really been working. And if you kind of look back at the guys that they took from the transfer portal, you know, Clark Barrington, I was expecting him to come in and make a big difference and have a big impact on the offensive line. Um, but he has struggled, but he's playing a position that he didn't play at BYU. So I'm wondering if maybe he uh, moves to guard, uh, potentially. And then if he moves to guard, you know, who do they fill in at the center position? My kind of bet for that would maybe be someone like Colton Price uh, at the center position. He's a guy that's really come on as of late. Uh, Timothy Dawn is there as well, but he was dealing with injuries early on in, uh, in camp. So I, I think Colton probably has the leg up there if they were able to make that move. Uh, outside of that, you know, I'm curious if uh, – Maybe a Sean Tompkins. Maybe he worked his way up to true freshman. Um, and then, you know, Lord knows what they're going to end up doing with, uh, you know, Campbell Barrington after his tough performance against Texas Tech. I still think he's their best option, probably a right tackle. 
but he's got to put together a much better performance than he did in that most recent matchup. So, yeah, I mean, a lot of things I'm going to be looking at. I just know young guys got opportunities this week, so we're going to see who really ran with those and if anyone really did. Yeah, Grayson, this is a this is a crucial juncture for Baylor, uh, you know, for the coaching staff, for a lot of things, uh, because if you don't start winning now, like you're going to have guys, um, and and I I'm, I don't think we should be foolish to think about it because it goes on everywhere. There's some guys at Baylor right now because this is a two and four team that are getting calls saying like, hey, uh, you know, the transfer portal opens in December, and I think they need to start winning to maybe ward off the desires of those people who may want to do that. Yeah, you know, I think that's, I think a lot has been made of that. And, I, you know, it's definitely possible that something like that does happen. And obviously, if you make a coaching change, I mean, that's, that's a totally different ballgame. And that's a whole nother conversation. If you make a coaching change, then you're, you're going to lose players like that. Mm-hmm. That's natural. That's definitely going to happen. But I do think with Dave Aranda, I, I feel like he's pretty much proven that he's been able to hold on to guys that he wants. Yeah. I mean, he really hasn't had an issue with that at all. And maybe losing changes some things, but I just don't think that really goes with all that we have kind of heard from the players and seen from the players' actions during uh, Dave Randa's time at Baylor. So I'd be pretty surprised if there was some sort of mass attrition because guys are, you know, losing football games and they get, you know, NIL deals elsewhere. I just, I don't think there'll be, there will be a mass exodus, maybe one or two here and there. Uh, but that's going to happen pretty much anywhere. But I do think, again, you know, that's another reason why, you know, everyone who's saying, oh, well, if this year goes bad, we should, you know, move on from Dave Aranda. Well, you know, be careful with that. Because if you do decide to do that, you're going to lose a lot of players. And then you're also probably going to have to be patient. Uh, because, you know, it's not a given that the first-year head coach would come in and perform extremely well in year one when everyone is so ready to win now. I, I just don't know how much sense that makes. So there's, again, you're picking and choosing, right? Different situations that could happen. Well, but in general, I, I feel okay about the roster. Yeah. Well, look, it's a, it's a, it's a good point you make that, look, um, if, and, and the other thing I think you said it, look, if they fire Dave Aranda, there's no guarantee they're bringing like, and they're probably not bringing in a guy like Deion Sanders. Like they're not, like, that's not what's going to happen. Like it's going to be someone else like Matt Rule or Dave Aranda or, in that realm. They're not like Nick Saban's not going to, you know, have his last couple years and academically try to see if he can do it Baylor way he did at Alabama. Like those things aren't going to happen. There's no guarantee who you're going to bring in. You have no idea who that is. So sometimes the devil, you know, is better, right, Grayson? Correct. And and I think that it's really funny, right? Because, and I, and I'm fully on board with this because the fans mindset is the right one. They want consistency, right? And that's been a huge problem with the Baylor program for years and and it's you know in large part just due to coaching changes as opposed to you know coaching failures right it's been more so about you know changes that have occurred and then a down year and then the team gets back on track but I think the other form of consistency truly is having a coach in your program for a long time and believing in that coach and Baylor hasn't been able to have that you know since our brawls left and I I just truly it's something that I think has to be weighed as well as, you know, whether you believe currently in Dave Aranda or not may not be the question. I think it's more so do you believe in Dave Aranda and the staff for the future and what they have accomplished in the past? Does that show enough for a promising future? Uh, But I do think he gives them the best chance at consistency uh, at the moment. I I think that's pretty clear. Grayson Grudehead for Sikkim365.com. Grayson, we'll talk to you next week.
Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. There you go. Grayson Grunhafer, Sikkim365.com. Coming up next, our weekly segment with Josh Neighbors. We're going to run down the Big 12 schedule. We're going to run down pretty much everything with Josh. That's coming up. This is 365 Sports. In our logo and advertising, we say we are people that you can count on. What does that mean? It starts with providing a quality vehicle and quality service at a fair price. But it also means we do what we say we will do, and we treat people fairly with respect. It starts by hiring great people, good local folks who work hard with a caring attitude. Our employees are the real reason we are people that you can count on. Put us to the test and see for yourself that at Richard Car Motors, we are people you can count on. Shorty's Pizza Shack at 12th and Bagby is a homegrown, locally owned pizza place that's out of this world. Everything from the dough, the sauce, the sausage topping is made fresh in-house. Not to mention the amazing pizza pillows, the chicken wings are to die for. Try the Sikkim sauce, chili cheese fries or tots, plus great specials on food and drink every single day. Shorty's is also the perfect spot to watch the game with your friends. Shorty's Pizza Shack at 12th and Bagby. Tell them Paul sent you by. want to know why Stonewood Dental is so successful? Listen to what happy customers have to say. It's pleasant. It's different than any other dentist's office. I really feel like they care. And it's not that you're here for two hours waiting on someone to take care of you. It's quick and easy. And, you know, I bring my kids and my kids love being here, too. They really love the treasure box. Staff is really nice and accommodating, real friendly. You feel more like home. It's not sterile looking. Everybody has their own personalized rooms with decorations and decor, and they'll even have a blanket for you when it's cold. (laughs) I've recommended people to actually come here, and they are patients now. I really love it here. It feels like family. Learn more, stonewood-dental.com. TFNB Your Bank for Life is the official local bank of Baylor Athletics. Find out why more Central Texans are making TFNB their bank for life. Sign up for our Edge checking and savings accounts to earn interest or cash back. With five convenient locations and an award-winning mobile app, banking has never been easier. TFNB Your Bank for Life. Member FDIC. Nations Brewing Company has 16 different beers on draft with a new beer every Friday. It also offers two air-conditioned tap rooms, a large indoor beer hall, a second-floor mezzanine offering a great overview of the brewing company and equipment and patio where you can relax under the shade. Plus, you can now experience the new Three Nations Beer Garden Grill on our shaded patio. Grab a cold beer and enjoy a bite from our freshly prepared and delicious menu. Street tacos, quesadillas, freshly cooked burgers and dogs, and veggie burgers too. Nachos and so much more all prepared and cooked on site. So come visit the award-winning Three Nations Brewing Company on East Vandergrift off I-35 in Carrollton. This is 365 Sports, powered by Sikkim365.com. The 4 o'clock hour is sponsored by Boozer's Jewelers, the wedding ring store, specializing in custom jewelry and repair, all in-house. Now here's Paul Catalina. Welcome back. Paul Catalina, Jack McKenzie, and Josh Neighbors. The Neighborhood Watch on Crystal Ball College Football, our other 
uh, college football channel. Uh, of, of We have many channels. We're like Netflix, or not Netflix. What would we be? YouTube TV? Where there's channels? Um, some might call it like uh, TV. Yeah, or like regular TV. That's a good point, Jack. Thank you for also making me look old there. I don't know. It sounded like you're just trying to sound young. No, yeah. I'm trying to sound young and hip. Uh, and with it, uh, Josh Neighbors is young and hip and with it, and he joins us now. Josh. <laughs> or or maybe maybe he wants to leave because now he's like, this guy's a dork. I don't want my, I don't want my name selling. <laughs> I mean, Josh was the one who was wearing like a full dad get up to Big 12 Media Days. Oh, well, so. Wait, what? Hold up. What? Yeah. Let, let's go into this, Jack. Polo, khaki cargo shorts. Hold on, hold on. Was this was this a conversation in the 365 offices it, once I left? Not, no. not until now, no, apparently. This, this was just a conversation you and I had there at Big 12 Media Days, Josh. This was? Yeah. Well, you, Jack, this just shows you how much I treasure every conversation with you. <laughs> wow. Look, I'm, that's my, I'm not a dad, and I, I pretty much... You know, I got some like sneakers for Christmas last year, and my they were New Balance, and that's just where I am in my life. I'm pretty sure he had the New Balances with the yeah, like the I'm, the I'm rocking them the right crew now. Socks, you know, the higher up crew socks. I'm, I'm look, I'm rocking it right now. Look, when Josh, I don't know how old you are. I'm 43. Like, you just have to accept some things as they come to you later in life. I'm 26, but I'll tell you what, I have this one pair of black uh, Adidas golf pants that I, I'm actually wearing them right now. Uh, but, like, it is my multi-purpose pair of pants. I mean, if I'm on camera, I can wear it. When I go to do sidelines, which I'm, I'm going to do right now, I wear them. So they're functional. They're not too dad. Like, black is a good color, I think, because it's not, like, too dad. And I'm wearing a red polo with it, too. So I kind of look like half Clifford the Big Red Dog, half, you know, live golf tour golfer. Uh, I guess it's cold weather, so uh, it's a good look for me at work. There, there we go. All right, Josh, uh, this week uh, in the Big 12 uh, – you know, I know that, like, this isn't the, you know, sexy week to end all sexy weeks, but there's some interesting stuff going on. Uh, we just had Joseph Duarte from the Houston Chronicle in Houston and Texas, and, you know, there's some for the old guard Houston fans. There's some some real bad blood here, and they were re- really chomping at the bit for this game. Now, I would not want to be the team that plays Texas after that particular loss that they had a couple weeks ago, but... Uh, Houston has no expectations in this game. They can play free and breezy. While I totally expect Texas to win, I kind of do expect to see Houston maybe put an early scare into them where Texas has to go, oh, we've got to take these guys seriously. Yeah, so, so it's interesting. You know, it's really weird. This is like one of those, yes, Oklahoma probably got Texas a little bit steamed. But also at the same time, too, like they've had they've had a week to digest. So, it's not completely like, you know, uh, we're going to bring, you know, hell with us in here. And also, you know, Houston wins against West Virginia, but like, oh, you know, they had a little bit of time since then too. There was a Thursday night game. So you're, you're kind of wondering where is the balance of momentum? Where is each team at? Um, I think that's fascinating. I, I saw the lines and 23 and a half is a lot to me. You know, this, this could easily be a three-score win in the end, but I, I think Houston's going to do everything in their power to make this thing uncom- as uncomfortable as possible. I just don't know ultimately what that looks like. I, I, I think there are some serious questions about, like, what that ends up looking like. And um, I think Houston, you know, look, all the new teams had their problems. I think Houston has a chance maybe to look like the best new team this year at times. But um, 
you know, they lost focus a lot this year at times, too. They lost focus definitely in that West Virginia game. They lost focus in the second half against Texas Tech. Lost focus against Rice for a majority of that game as well. So it's just a matter of how dialed in, how focused are we going to get 60 minutes of quality Dana Holgerson football? Yeah, that's then that's been a thing. Look, even in the wins, they haven't done 60 minutes of that. You know, like it's they've had their moments where, like, again, looking at West Virginia last week, you know, without a couple of really bizarre things happening, you know, they're kicking themselves about that too. So, yeah, I I, I agree with you. All right, uh, Tech and BYU. Uh, tech, you know, Baron Morton banged up, but looks like it's he's gonna go. Uh, BYU got a little bit exposed against TCU last week. This is, um, again for BYU, just you know, maybe stack some more wins, get yourself to a bowl game, have a nice first year in the Big 12. But for Tech, they've got to start winning games again, or they've got to really look at what they're doing in year two. Yeah, so this game is a is kind of a crossroads game. Not for like for BYU, it's not really a crossroads of like what are you doing just because it's their first year in the league. But talk about their season. I mean, they have been outplayed against basically every team they they have played. Like Arkansas outplayed them. Uh, you know, last week they were viciously outplayed. I think is a good way to put it. Cincinnati maybe even outplayed them uh, at least for large swaths of the game. So BYU is opportunistic. The good news for them is Texas Tech might give you the ball. Um, and, and especially, and here's the thing, like we saw UCF go with John Rice Plumley two weeks ago uh, against, uh, against KU, and they have to holster that weapon, you know. Um, fun smoke that, you know, wagon, whatever the hell that uh, is said in Tombstone. So mm, yeah. is that going to have to happen with Tech? Because every single time they have a banged-up quarterback, that guy usually doesn't make it to the game. And this has been a problem. Like, Tech, I think the one thing I'm starting to really think about for them, especially under Zach Hitley, is they have to evaluate what they're doing with their quarterbacks because their quarterbacks aren't making it to the game. Last year, they played three quarterbacks, and all three guys, Morton, Smith, and Shuck, were injured at certain points. They have now played three this year, and Shuck and Morton have both been injured at certain points and to the point where they couldn't even, you know, both those guys, you know, Shuck's done, and Morton injury-prone, they need to protect him a little bit. They have to reconsider what they are doing. Now, is that something you can do in the middle of the season, a great success? I don't know, but I still think Zach Kittley's a good coordinator and he's young, but he's an air raid guy. Like You, you kind of have to dial back from the air raid principles, right? I think Kendall Bryles is somebody who really understands how to use the running game in an air raid offense. He also forgets he has running backs at times, which really gets confusing. But, like, he almost needs a little bit more Kendall Bryles in him, I think, to some extent. If that, that makes sense, guys. Yeah. And I'm not saying it's perfect. No, I mean, look, it's it's not. I mean, like, I, I think that, um, you know, and look, as, as someone who uh, is a probably an amateur expert on the uh, Bryles offense, having seen it here in You've action. You've seen it a few times, Paul? I've seen it a few times. I've seen it a few times. Uh, there is that, like – they're either like super into the running backs or it kind of forget it for a minute. <laughs> and sometimes it's just based on who, who's back there. I don't know. It is, uh, right. it's not Tom Herman egregious where like, you know, somebody had to tell him like, you know, um, you recruited and signed B. John Robinson. He's right. right. There. He's right there. Like that's him. Number two. Like he's right. He's there. Like just, you know, that way poor Sam does not get bludgeoned to death. 
Like, just <laughs> maybe give him a break. It's it was, not that. We saw the three picks last week. It, it's like they got to find some way to protect these guys. Yeah, absolutely. Because they, they, they just, they, and like, whether it's confidence wise, whether it's one of the football wise, whether it's health wise, like, they just, they just have not found a way to do that yet. And I'm excited. I think Joey McGuire is going to be good. I think, I think it's all going to work out for them. But sometimes, like, you know, look, the, the big thing for me was, when K-State was a dark horse last year, K-State has done this a whole lot where it's like we live at, at seven and five, eight and four, and, and you can see it coming. They've got the team to do it. Texas Tech this year, like what did they do last year to make me believe that all of a sudden they're going to start punching them out of their weight class? They got by Texas because Texas lost focus in that game. And then they beat Ole Miss at the end of the year. And they beat Oklahoma. That's not a good Oklahoma team. And they beat Ole Miss in a bowl game. Everybody's like, uh-oh. Here they come, and it's like, look, they have not – they're not winning at Mike Leach level because Mike Leach consistently did it. They have to get there first before we start talking about them as a contender. I know winning's not always linear, all the way up, all the way down. TC, you showed us that. But the program like Texas Tech, you got to show me some consistent defense, and at least this version, you got to show me some quarterback help, and they have not done either. Now, that being said, uh, I am not going to bet this football game tomorrow. Texas Tech is a better team. The line reflects that. But – do I trust the quarterback situation going to BYU against an opportunistic team? No, I don't. So get me the hell away from this game. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, you mentioned Kansas State. They're going to roll with two quarterbacks. It appears that Avery Johnson, after last week, has found his sea legs, and those sea legs move really, really fast. 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 He like he is going to be a problem. Like they're, you know, Correct. it's one of those things where like Big Twelve coaches are like, he's a freshman. Great, thank you. This is. This is wonderful. Like, I've got at least two more years of this crap. Great. Thank you. Thank you. Like, you know, couldn't find his way to another conference, please. Uh, but, yeah, he's, he's going to be that kind of guy where you're, he's just going to cause problems. They uh, welcome TCU, who got the big win. Uh, Josh Hoover made the start. Um, I'm not ready to jump in and say TCU has fixed all their problems. I think that they certainly rallied around Josh Hoover. If this one was in Fort Worth, I might feel differently, but I, I think that Kansas State right. throwing Avery Johnson out there has kind of changed their game a little bit. So let me posit something to you, Paul and Jack, and I'd love to hear what you all think about this. So last year, Adrian Martinez is the quarterback, right? And he's not the right quarterback for a team that's got good tight ends and good wide receivers, plural, and good running backs who can catch the ball out of the backfield, particularly one running back who's right yeah. out of the backfield. Right? Will Howard, as a good passer, is the right guy. Okay, flip it ahead one year. What's the problem this year? Well, the wide receivers aren't too great, and they have one guy who's an eight-back tight end, and Ben Simmons is open a lot. But Will Howard is being forced to throw balls into really tight windows, and it's not going very well for him right now. And the strength of this team is the offensive line. And actually, the running backs are pretty good as well, too. So I think Adrian Martinez would have been a good fit with this team. I think Avery Johnson, in the same vein, is a good fit with what they're doing right now. And so I'm wondering, I just don't know how to square this, because like I think Will Howard is good. I think with what we see, like he is a good quarterback, can be good. But what this team needs on the ground right now is Avery Johnson to kind of make the offense come. But guys, like when they punch above the like when they play Texas, who would you rather have in the saddle back there, quarterback? I, I, I know Avery Johnson might be the hot guy at that point, but like I just I don't know how to square the performance thing with the trust thing 
But I do think this team is better off with a running quarterback at this point in time. I, I think this team is a better fit to that. that that's kind of where I am on K-State, and I don't really know what that means moving forward. Yeah, I, I'm, I think you got to ride with the playmaker right now to get a spark, uh, and, and maybe that's what it is. But can he pass? Can he pass it all? I think he's did like I think he's getting a little bit better with that, but they're they're going to have right. to their passing offense is going to get uh, pretty narrow, I would think, because it's going to be focused yeah. on running the ball, and then their defense has to play, which we know how their defense can play with Chris Kleiman. Jack, what do you think? Yeah, if they lean into the RPOs, make the reads as simple as possible, and help out those simple passing concepts by running the heck out of the quarterback run game and an option run game, then I think they can get it done. I I think their ceiling is lower than I thought it was heading into the year. Definitely, yeah, but I, yeah, I, I do think. Yeah, and you mentioned the wide receivers that like, um, Cade Warner. It was a huge loss for them. Like he yeah. was and Malik Knoll. Yeah, and Malik Knoll. Like both guys, not like again. Like you're not. They're not rip. They're not Justin Jefferson, right? They're not no. Jamar Chase. But for that offense, Cade Warner and Malik Knowles were perfect. And you don't just get to roll like sometimes you got to readjust. And that's where maybe they were a little deficient. You can't replace Deuce Vaughn. That guy's not like there's no there's no Deuce Vaughn's just laying around, you know. But you can with Dylan Giddens and with Treshawn Ward, you can have a really solid running game and and make up those yards in the aggregate. You're just not going to have maybe the explosiveness that a Deuce Vaughn has because not that's not the you know. You can't expect that. Like, you got to cherish right. those guys when they come. Uh, so, yeah, I kind of agree. Like, you have a nice little theory there, Josh. I think that – I think the neighbor's theory of the Kansas State offense needs to be uh, tested in academic circles. And, and also, too, like, I've got no solution for what's best for the offense. This is me being like, you know, I think we all realize what's best right now, yes, is the running game. But what happens if that begins to dry up some? Like, what happens if Texas pushes them around a little bit and they don't need to bring a ton of pressure to stop the running game? Or, right, they don't have to dedicate a lot of the resources on defense. Like, what if the guys up front can help get the job done and things go out? Can you just go back to Will Howard all of a sudden? Or are you kind of, you know, what does that dynamic look like if things start going sideways? TC's got good personnel, but they have not been executing at a high level on defense this year. So I'm curious to see what that looks like this week. Yeah. All right, Baylor and Cincinnati, the all... Right. Do we have to? Yes, we, we do. have to? Hey, if I have to, you have to. Okay, fine. <laughs> yeah, this one's, this one's tough. I mean, because both these teams are in a funk right now. They don't really know who they are. They haven't figured out what they do really well that uh, teams can't stop in particular uh, regularly. You know, uh, Cincinnati has the advantage that this game is at home, but Baylor's played better on the road in the last year, year, not just this year, in the last overtime on the road than they have at home. They're kind of like the Astros in that regard. Uh, so, although not that good, um, but yeah, there's, there's, there, there's just something about this game that, um, I don't like, I don't think whoever wins it, you're going to be able to take away too much from unless they follow it up with other wins. Yeah, so, uh, I mean, I saw the spread was Baylor plus three and a half. And I'm, I'm gobbling that up because, because, like, what what has, I mean, what has Cincinnati shown at all that resembles confidence? Pitt is terrible. And that that is the good win. After that, they have not won a game since then. Yeah. Right? I don't think they've won a game since then. And, like, 
that was well over a month ago. And look, I think Scott Satterfield knew it was going to be tough. And that's why, honestly, on my show, Neighborhood Watch, I celebrated that Cincinnati win because I did not think many others were, would come, and uh, they haven't. And it's exciting to say they've had, a, they've had a fun home field advantage, man. They have. But that started to dwindle. And Iowa State took it to them last week. They really did. That game was not particularly close. Baylor has had some time, it feels like, to think. And uh, you know, I think they're going to come out that bye week, right? And so I expect them to be prepared. I expect them to go on the road. And we've talked about the talent gap for Baylor compared to other teams in the Big 12. This Cincinnati team is not particularly talented. So I think when we're, when we're stacking things up here, like this is a game that Baylor wins. Yeah, uh, I, It's a game they should win. I, I picked against them because there's – there's something like fundamentally off with Baylor right now because Paul, you you Paul, say you that you can have Emory Jones, you can have him, you, <laughs> you can have, you can let, you can you can wager. I'll I'll let you take that every day of the week. Yeah, what does Emory Jones show that he's confident? He's he's terrible. Yeah, they keep trotting him out there acting like there's gonna be a different result each week. The guy's not a power five quarterback. No, and he, and he's been at three different power five schools. Like it, and this is subjectively like the worst one, the worst performance he's had so far. Yeah, um, no, I like I just you know I watched him a lot when he was at Florida, and he have, he would have those moments early on where you're like, oh, this son of a gun is good. Holy cow, yeah. he's athletic. And then like he has Emory Jones just needs to find a way to play in the middle of his talent, in the middle yeah. of it. But right now he he plays in the extremes. It's either. My gosh, this is one of the best athletes I've ever seen. Or dear God, like what yeah. happened? And that's why his problem's been his entire career is how can you, you know, you know, how can you keep riding that wave of those extremes? All right, uh, we're not going to talk about UCF and Oklahoma because I, I think that UCF does not have the run defense to stop what Oklahoma's going to have at them. Uh, but Oklahoma State and West Virginia, really intriguing one in that it's in Morgantown. West Virginia's coming off a tough loss. And Mike Gundy might have figured his team out, which is really scary for teams they play down the stretch because um, as, you know, as emotional as he can get, like he, I think the, the real skill that he's always had is when he figures out what he's got, he, he doesn't stray from the plan. Yeah, it turns out, as opposed to playing three quarterbacks and handing the ball to Ollie Gordon, they should play one quarterback and hand the ball to Ollie Gordon. That seems to be the working strategy. Yeah. Uh, I don't think Allen, like, I don't know about you, Paul. I, Kansas' defense is not very good. So, like, I don't really know what I'm supposed to say. Allen Bowman played well. I want to give him that. He played well. Uh, I don't think Allen Bowman's, like, really good all of a sudden. I, I just think. And look, this comes from folks that I've talked to that have played the game. It, you need to have one voice in the locker room. The guys need to know who they're following at quarterback. And so you pick the oldest guy with the most experience, and the game scripts for them have been really good. And I love the way they, they fought back last week, and they got that big stop at midfield, and they closed the game out. And so I think this team is finding a rhythm. Did I think they were the better team last week? No. But they out-executed Kansas. They got the big turnovers they needed against Kansas. And so I think with that, like, this is, this is an execution game, right? This is, can you hit a couple more big plays? And which quarterback does not make the crippling mistake, the crippling turnover? And, guys, I, I think in a game with a margin, you think it's going to be pretty tight. The crippling mistake could be 
you know, that 15-yard penalty we saw from Garrett Green after celebration last week, right? Yeah. I think when you're, when you're playing narrow and tight games, mistakes like that can be the difference. And I, I know it sounds, you know, it's, we're watching all these West Virginia games. Uh, it's not one-way traffic. They're always pretty close, just at the nature of where they play. They get a little bit healthier. Um, and they also have an extra day, you know, the, with the having that extra Friday. I, I always like having that extra day. I get the Friday and the Saturday after Thursday night game to recover going home. So, I, I, I mean, if, if the number's anything above three, I'm taking Oklahoma State. Uh, I think West Virginia wins. But I think it's like 21 to 18. And I, and I, you know, I'm 51, 49, uh, one direction, you know, that way right now, but just cause they're home, because you're right. Like there's a reason why we keep, I always say like if Mike Gundy is the best coach in this league until you find me another coach who's better year in and year out. And this team is once again, not particularly talented like Cincinnati, but man, whenever they need to play Ollie Gordon or Colin, Colin Oliver too, we just, we did not have enough that he was awesome last week. So mm. good such a great college defense. I don't know about the NFL, but I mean, I wouldn't be shocked if he's a tremendous NFL player too, but he's just a damn good defensive player in college, man. Uh, he was, he was fantastic last week. And so he makes big plays. Ollie, Ollie Gordon, Ollie Gordon, Ollie Gordon is, is the genuine article. Uh, and I, I'm fired up for this game. I'm fired up because it's, it's two really good teams that have been well coached this year. That, it's, that play close football game. All right, uh, the big one this week is Ohio State and Penn State. Uh, I'm taking Penn State just because I think that James Franklin is due for the signature big-time win, and he's got a defense that is just choking people out right now. I think it'll be one heck of a game. I know it's in Columbus, but he's won there one at a time before. So I, I think, like, and honestly, I'm thinking, like, 21 to 20 kind of a game here uh, for Penn State. Yeah. But – I like it is a total coin flip if there ever was one, much like Oregon and Washington last week and Oklahoma and Texas the week before. Yeah, I think this is going to be one of those who blinks type situations. And, and I'm wondering, you know, I think we've seen it so far. Michigan's got their own issues. But like, are we headed toward a situation where Michigan's maybe 10 points better than both these teams on like a neutral field, maybe 10 to 14 better? Like, I, I think that's possible. I, I do think that's possible. I'm really curious to see. Um, who takes the big risks in this game, right? You mentioned that choking out, like, is is Ryan Day going to put the ball in Kyle McCord's hands and say, all right, buddy, go win this thing for us? Or he's going to, you know, they're going to try to be like, all right, let's see who makes the mistake. Let's make Drew Aller make the mistake. You know, let's, let's force him to third and long. And so I think I think whoever takes care of the ball better in third and long and, uh, you know, hits a couple more explosive plays is, is going to win this thing. I do think it's a narrow game, though. I think it's, I think it's one of those games – that feels tight. Now, these teams have gone back and forth before, but I think it's one of those narrow situations where this, this game just feels tight. And it's like, oh, don't make a mistake, don't make a mistake uh, kind of type deal. Yeah, I, I agree with you. Josh, enjoy your game tonight. We'll talk to you next week. All right, fellas. It's always a pleasure. Uh, keep that dad look up, uh, Jack. <laughs> keep it going. <laughs> Josh Neighbors, Neighborhood Watch, Crystal Ball, College Football. Like and subscribe to that uh, channel. And, uh, yeah, I don't know. Like, I don't think – look – there comes a point in your life where you can pull off no other looks. That's where I am. And I don't even have kids. Like, I, I have to look like a 43-year-old guy. Like, the best I can hope for is looking like a 38-year-old guy. Sometimes you got to do just, it to fit in. Yeah, I know. Well, you know. You, know. you don't want to be that one, that one guy with a dad bod who's like, 
out there trying to look like he doesn't have one. Yeah, no, that's so sometimes that's you just kind of got to fall in line. Yeah, yeah, you that's know? that's true. Absolutely. Societal pressure, man. It's a sad thing. It is. It is. When we come back, Sam Bradshaw. Sikkim365.com breaks down what the Bears can change this week, what Cincinnati can do well, where the weaknesses are. That's all coming up right after this. This is 365 Sports. With so many companies and policies out there, it gets so confusing shopping for insurance, and I never know if I'm getting the policy that's right for me. Luckily, I met the team at the Nitchie Group Insurance Agency. With the Nitchie Group, you can go to one company and get access to coverage options from many insurance carriers, and you get to speak to a real person about your specific coverage needs. With the Nitchie Group, I know I'm getting the right coverage at the right price. If you need insurance, talk to the experts at the Nitchie Group at 1-800-258-8302. Baylor alumni are more than 160,000 strong. When we all join hands to support our university, we don't just move the needle, we move mountains. Working together, we create life-changing opportunities for students on the field, in the classroom, in the laboratory, and in life for generations to come. So get connected. Get involved. Learn how at baylor.edu slash alumni. Did you know that one out of every four men have symptomatic low levels of testosterone and don't even know it? And if you think you're too young to worry about it, guess again. Low T levels can make you feel tired and grumpy. Raise your cholesterol and cause weight gain. Petty Clinic Low T can set up same-day blood screening and results. So if you're tired of being tired, call or go online at PettyClinicLowT.com. It's a private clinic with an atmosphere catering to men. Affordable, only $165 a month, including lab work, office consultation, testosterone injections, and follow-up visits compared to $300 or more a month in Dallas or Austin, and you don't have to drive 90 miles one way or the other and fight the traffic. Petty Clinic Low T has board-certified physician consultations and will provide the best form of brand-strength testosterone. Contact Petty Clinic Low T for increased energy, improvement in sexual desire and performance, mood, concentration, even a decrease in body and belly fat. Just off Highway 84 and Old Hewitt Drive in Woodway, PettyClinicLowT.com. There are 26 letters in the alphabet, over 600,000 words in the dictionary, and just three of them said together can change everything. Let's order pizza. Those three words lead to dough made from scratch and three fresh signature cheeses that blanket golden crust in a heavenly melt on Marco's Pizza that'll blow your mind. So visit Marco's.com to order and stop by Marco's Pizza in Bellmead, China Spring, Woodway, and in Robinson. Marco's. Pizza lovers get it. From the first workout to the last practice, sports is an incredible challenge. Hi, this is Dan Engel with the First National Bank of Central Texas, and we're proud to support each athlete, every parent, and our educators. From families, small businesses, to the biggest industry, we're here to help. With remarkable products like instant-issue debit cards free at all of our banking centers, we've got banking ideas that fuel big dreams. The First National Bank of Central Texas, familiar faces making local decisions. Member FDIC, equal housing lender. The 365 Sports Friday Show is presented by Bird Culchin Ford and the U.S. Army Waco Recruiting Company. Sam Bradshaw, 365.com, breaks it all down on film. Join the premium section if you want to see it and watch it all. 
and all the things he breaks down. Charts and graphs, too, like you would not believe. He's excellent at charts and graphs. I love a good chart, and I love a good graph. A Venn diagram I have no patience for. No. Uh, Sam, uh, this is a Baylor team against Cincinnati that uh, both these teams are, are in a bad way right now. So this, uh, this game probably comes at a good time for each of them. That they, This is the one they have the best shot to win uh, for the foreseeable future and maybe get right. But Baylor had to make a lot of changes in their bye week. What do you expect to see different? Thanks for having me on, Paul. And one thing I expect from both these teams is they are going to be working on their red zone efficiency. Uh, this is probably the matchup of two very, very struggling red zone offenses, maybe the two worst red zone offenses within the uh, Big 12 in the sense that they just can't seem to punch the ball in. I mean, these are two offenses that will move the ball pretty decently between the 20s, but just converting is a bit of a challenge for them. Um, I think with how good Cincinnati's front is at disrupting you on the run, Baylor's going to really, really have to lean a little bit more on Blake Chapin in the passing game, particularly the quick game, screen game, potentially some RPO game, in order to try and get some kind of offense against a really solid Cincinnati defense. And that's going to be one of the major changes. You might see a lineup change uh, with a little more time to get somebody ready that probably has earned a shot or something similar along those lines. But, yeah, um, I'm expecting to see some offensive changes. Defensively, I'm looking mostly to see can you get guys healthy and can you get them just to be more disciplined with what you're doing. I don't think they're going to do a massive overhaul there. I think they're more just focused on can we get all these young guys that we're relying on to really tighten down on their assignments, tighten down on their discipline. I mean, you're talking about two first-year players are your primary options to star over the last couple of games. And you've got some young guys at D-tackle. You've got some youth at safety and corner. And especially a linebacker with Smith out, you're really, really looking on getting a lot of these young guys to really sharpen up on the finer points more so than massive overall. Sam, what does Cincinnati do well that Baylor will have trouble stopping? Well, I think when you look at the Cincinnati team, they imported a lot of guys on that offensive side via the portal. And effectively, every skill guy that they really, really lean on is a transfer guy. You got a former Florida and Arizona State quarterback who's a dual threat. You got former LSU running back. You got a Louisville receiver, Miami receiver, and Florida receiver, and a Washington State receiver. You've got quite a lot of guys in there. Their passing game really hadn't been all that strong, but one thing they do is they run the quarterback a lot. It's almost to the point of Colin Klein at Kansas State in terms of quarterback carries per game. Now, some of those are scrambled, and so you probably have fewer called runs, um, but you're still talking 13 quarterback carries per game that are not sacks. That's a lot. Um, their quarterback has almost as many carries as their workhorse starting back, Kiner, does. Um I don't think this skill group is going to be the fastest Baylor scene. I think they'll be on the slower end of the Big 12. But they got they got some guys that look the part, some big athletes that may not necessarily anchor your 4 by 100 relay team, but they're going to be tough to bring down. They're going to be tough to cover on their route. And Baylor is going to have to try and prevent them from getting those big plays, and they're going to have to find a way to get off the field on third and fourth down. You know, the Cincinnati team, they're not necessarily prolific running the ball, but they do enough to stay on the field with Emory Jones running it and with Kiner just 
he's almost a runaway fire hydrant in the sense that he's not all that tall, but he's just very stocky, very difficult to bring down. And while he's not going to just pull away from you in straight line speed, he, he has enough speed to get to the edge and make you hurt for a big gainer or two. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, how much of a problem will Dante Corleone be? I think uh, I would love to have him on Baylor's team. I think <laughs> if he was on Baylor's team, just given the issues they've had at that no spot, it would really, really help. Um, I think that entire Cincinnati defensive front, the down three plus the four linebackers they have, uh, one of which is a dog, which is more of their jack linebacker, rush linebacker type, where it's almost a DN linebacker hybrid. And then their, their star is a guy that has almost as many tackles as a stack linebackers, gets a ton of tackles for losses, also has a lot of pass breakups. He's just a very versatile player. I don't think he's on the Jalen Petrie level, but he's definitely a guy that they use a lot of different ways and is definitely going to make a big impact for you. He's a lot like a Blake Lynch type, and he's very versatile. You know, that entire front, they're able to disrupt, mixing in, occupying blockers and penetrating, and then the linebackers behind them are very, very smart on when to trigger on the run. They do it very quickly. They do it very decisively, but they're also very wise about when to do it. They read their keys well. Dealing with that front is going to be a big challenge for Baylor. It's one of the reasons I think they got to lean on the quick passing game, at least to force that Cincinnati team to slow things down and give yourself a little bit of a chance. I mean, both of these defenses I expect to be pretty decent stopping the run for both of them. Both these teams run a very wide zone-based run. I mean, Satterfield at Louisville was the tape I really looked at to preview Ole Miss and how they matched up the Baylor's offense for the Sugar Bowl because Louisville was the team that ran the most wide zone against Ole Miss that year. And the two offenses have a lot of overlap. Now, Satterfield's going to be a little bit more spread and a little bit more spread option than uh, Grimes would ever dream of being. But at the same time, the base run plays and the base passing concepts have a lot of overlap. Sam, do you expect to see um, maybe an, not a total abandonment of the wide zone because they are what they are, but maybe a sharp reduction in it? Uh, as far as the preferred run play scheme, I think it'll still be your fastball. But after the struggles you've had and how teams are cheating towards it and how some of your typical curveballs and breaking balls have not really been there, in terms of your ability to execute, I expect them to mix in a few more sliders and other uh, wrinkles to try and take the pressure off. So I expect to see a couple things that they may not have put on film yet, just as a, even if they're not terribly efficient at producing with it, we might be able to get some benefits from them having to diagnose it in game instead of having a game week to get ready for it. Yeah. Uh, Blake Shapins, um, you know, it's hard to like, it's hard to even think about because of how much they struggle. But Blake Shapins, when he's played in games, has not been the problem at all. Like, there's not, like, he's played really, really well. Um, of all the things that they worked on and, and grew in the, in, in the offseason, that's the one that worked, right? Blake Shapins played really well in spite of the fact that he's constantly under duress. He has no running game to speak of. He's been hit a ton. He's had a play through this knee injury. He's been good when he's played. Um, 
how do they how do you expect him to adjust the protection to make sure that that continues and that he doesn't continue to get blown up right and i think you're going to really have to lean on getting the ball out of his hands because i don't know how well you can really rely on the maximum protection to set up those deep shots especially with the run not working that great you're going to have to lean a little bit more on your quick game and a little bit more on your screen game but no, Blake Shapin has been outstanding this year. Um, he's definitely been putting together that is what objectively, if you just scouted him on film, regardless of the team result, because if the quarterback's running for his life, the team result's rarely going to be good. I think the only time I ever saw a quarterback light somebody up while running for his life perpetually was Patrick Mahomes versus LSU in that bowl game, which is still the most comical draft film I think I've ever seen. It's just him running for his life and throwing it up to Texas four by 100 relay team of skill guys as the offensive line is getting destroyed. But that's beside the point. Chapin's been outstanding. And just if they can protect them, they have the ability to be a dangerous passing attack. But the protection has not been there and it has to get, it has to get better. So we'll see what they've worked on in the off, in the off week can uh, help slow down that rush, help get those consistent yards and help them stay on the field to the point that they can get a little, closer read on what those defenses are doing and potentially scheme up some things to dissect what they're doing. So Sam, um, they got to get some momentum going. This is their best shot. Do you think Cincinnati, I mean, I don't think, think Cincinnati's the worst team they have left, right? Not that they don't have a murderer's row left. You know, they, they don't have Oklahoma on the schedule. Um, you know, Texas is already behind them. Uh, you know, I know TCU and Kansas state are ahead of them, but you know, if you're going to win one, it, it better dad gum be this one, wouldn't it? I go back and forth. Um, I don't think they're necessarily the worst matchup for Baylor left. Houston's had some problems defensively, and I think that might bode well for Baylor being able to move the ball and get into a shootout. So that, I, I think there's a couple opportunities here against teams that Baylor might be able to position themselves for. I think Cincinnati might be an objectively worse team than Houston right now. But I think in terms of matching up to Baylor, Houston might be a more favorable matchup, just in terms of where the weak points are on each team and where the weak points are on Baylor. Because, you know, Baylor really, really wants to run the wide zone. They're facing a team that's solid defensively and sees the wide zone every day. Uh, defensively, Baylor is very youthful and doesn't have the biggest defensive front in, on the inside. And they're facing a very veteran offensive line that, while they're not spectacular, could potentially lean on them as the game goes on. You know, um, it's really going to come down to can Baylor win the turnover battle? Because Cincinnati's not been very good on either side of the ball, either forcing turnovers as a percentage of drives or protecting the ball as a percentage of drives. Um, they're going to have to win the turnover battle. They're going to have to win big plays on the outside to those wide receivers. Because I think Baylor has the advantage there. And I think Baylor has speed guys at running back, at receiver, to really do some damage to Cincinnati. And Cincinnati's got a bunch of veterans. I just think – I think Cincinnati takes this one, but I think Baylor has more favorable matchups later on. Sam Bradshaw, Sigum365.com. Subscribe to the premium section and read his stuff. Uh, it's it's great stuff. It's very in-depth. If you want the uh, the complete breaks down as X's and O's and, and even the stuff he gets sued on TV markets, he's done a great job uh, on that, even being referenced by the experts in the business. Sam, thank you so much. Have a great weekend, buddy. Thanks. You too. All right. 
Sam Bradshaw, Sikkim365.com. When we come back, I did get a question on the chat room about the Art Browse Ian McCall lawsuit. I'm going to tell you what happened. I do not, I'm, I'm just going to tell you. If you're expecting me to go on any kind of, you know, opinion-based thing on this, um, I'm just not going to. I'm, I'm not going to tell you what happened. I'll tell you why it happened, and then we are going to move on from it. Uh, so uh, I just, it's, <laughs> you have no idea. <laughs> there's, there's just some things you, you know, you just don't know. Anyway, this is 365 Sports. Pizza, burgers, and Bears football. There's no place around Waco that serves them all other than Bubba's 33. Come show your green and gold and enjoy some of Waco's best food and beverages while watching your favorite team, the Bears. When real Bears fans get hungry, Bubba's 33 is the number one spot for ice-cold drinks, hand-stretched, stone-baked pizzas, and bacon-infused burgers. Join us for indoor or patio dining. Bubba's 33, Waco's restaurant and proud supporter of Baylor Bears football. Sick'em, Bears. Established in 2007 and independently owned, Alliance Bank Central Texas is committed to helping families and businesses meet their financial goals. From their tellers to their board of directors, they know the importance of superior service and competitive products. Customers have confidence knowing that their financial needs are in good hands. It's your bank, Alliance Bank Central Texas, with two Waco locations, 4721 Bosque Boulevard and 191 Archway Drive on Highway 84 and at Alliance. AllianceBankTexas.com. Member FDIC and Equal Housing Lender. At Ideal MRI, we feel blessed to be a part of the Waco community. We're a small family business right here in Central Texas, and our goal is to bring down the cost of health care while maintaining high quality. At times like this, the cost of health care has never been more important, and unfortunately, significant illnesses and injuries still occur. That's why Ideal MRI is open and here to serve you through the difficult time. We offer premium MRIs just like a hospital with state-of-the-art technology and specialists, but you'll pay less. Sometimes thousands of dollars less, whether you're using insurance or not. At Ideal MRI, we accept most insurance and there are no hidden costs. Even offering financing if that's needed, everything included in the price, and you'll not get something as a surprise in the mail later on. If you need an MRI, ask your doctor about Ideal MRI. They'll know. You can schedule an appointment safely from home online in minutes at IdealMRI.com or give us a call, 833-IDEAL-MRI, IdealMRI. It was broad daylight. I stepped into a gas station for five minutes to grab a snack, and just like that, my car was broken into. They made out like a bandit. My laptop, my phone, everything. I called my agent to see what could be done, and he restored my faith in humanity. My claim was processed so quickly, and I was able to recover my losses. Stop by and see our agents at one of our three McLennan County locations. Coverage and discounts are subject to qualifications and policy terms and may vary by situation. Stepping into the boots of a U.S. Army officer can add confidence and leadership skills to your son or daughter's career path. See all the things they can achieve in our boots at GoArmy.com. U.S. Army Waco Recruiting Company, 254-598-8131 or 254-776-1543. This is 365 Sports. The Sikkim 365 app is brought to you by Alan Samuels Dodge Chrysler Jeep Ram Fiat. Come by. Let's be friends. 
Welcome back. Sikkim 365 brings you 365 Sports. Sometimes you almost slip into the old name of the show, but Sikkim 365 is the parent company. Sikkim365.com. And um, by request here, and uh, I'll go into the facts of this, because going into all of this benefits no one, because this particular case that was dismissed today uh, against Art Bryles and Ian McCaw, and sh- and I'll just tell you should have been, based on the facts available, um, going into why and what I, you know, what, you know, has been alleged or whatever, it's just, it's not going to benefit anybody. It's not going to benefit the fans of Baylor. It's not going to benefit the people who support Art Bryles. It's not going to be like getting into the discussion. It, it, to me, I, I feel the discussion has been had. It's been over about what happened when Art Bryles was here. It's, it's, you know, uh, but the negligence claims uh, versus Art Bryles and Ian McCall were dismissed. Um, the plaintiff, former Baylor student Dolores Lozano, had claimed that the three defendants' negligence, uh, Baylor is one of them, uh, after she reported her first assault in March 2014 and made her subject to further abuse by uh, a former football player uh, whom she had been dating. Um, and uh, he is uh, uh, not named in the lawsuit. Uh, by the way, um, just uh, for for point of fact. Uh, So there is only one uh, or two claims remaining, a Title IX claim against Baylor and um, one other claim uh, that the jury will reconvene and decide on on Monday. Uh, So, uh, but Art Bryles, Ian McCaw, and, uh, you know, one of the claims against Baylor because no reasonable jury can conclude based on the evidence presented at trial that the defendants were grossly negligent. Um, and so that's what happened. That's why the, the suits are, that particular suits against Art and Ian McCaw are dismissed. Um, but I feel like Forrest Gump, that's, that's all I'm going to say about that. Um, uh, what happened here in 2016 was very unfortunate, and we've been through it a lot the people who covered it, the people who are here. Um, and I just, I think that, you know, I'm, I'm glad that the, the lawsuits are getting settled and dismissed and, and moved on because everybody needs to, to get their, their peace with this one, especially uh, the, the people who things happen to here in it and the people involved. But that's all I'm going to say about it. I didn't want to get into it, but it was requested to speak about on the uh, uh, air. Um, so I will say this, um, Daniel R- Roberts says, I think the interesting thing is the regent said Bryles didn't violate any policy, uh, discourage reporting or cover up any sexual assault. Um, okay. I lied. I'm going to get into some of this. Uh, yeah, that's what that's been known for quite a while. Like there was a legal sentiment a long time ago. He didn't, he didn't violate any policy because there wasn't a policy. That's the problem. Now, was he scapegoated a little bit more than, then he could have been, yeah, maybe. Uh, but was everybody involved responsible for something that went on? Yes. Like, that's that's just how, like, when these things are systemic, that's how they work. That's how it goes. So, um, yeah, that was true. But when you, they say, oh, well, you didn't violate any rules. Well, if there's no rules to violate, there's still some ethics questions involved. And that's why. And they also said in court the reason that our brows was fired was they felt, the regents felt, that he was not the man to lead them through this problem. That's why. Because he didn't have, 
you know, what's your plan to change all this? He said, tell me what to do. And they said, no, that's what we're paying you to do. How are you going to handle it from a football perspective? That's why. And that's a detail I think that has been lost a little bit. That's a detail that has been lost. And I think, I think needs to, to maybe, if I'm discussing this, be the focal point. All the stuff that happened, all the stuff that happened, people make their own choices. It was not Art Briles fault directly. Like if, Jack does something and we work together. It's not my fault that Jack did it. Now, to the point of I know about it and just kind of never follow up on it, then it becomes I'm, I'm in it. And I think that's where Art Bryles was and Ian McCall was. But the reason the Regents made that decision, the reason they testified in court, was when they asked Art what the next step is, he did not have a plan. That's ultimately what got him fired. Had he gone in and look, he was going against people. We're going to try to Baylor the, the people involved. There were a faction that was trying to scapegoat one thing and make it go away. They did not steer into the storm. They tried to go around it and it certainly hurt them. Um, We've talked about it a lot, but that's, that's all I'll say about that. So that's, that's all I got to say. And I'm leaving it at that. So if you want to know what my opinion is on it, um, I think you can maybe glean it from some of those things. But I, I don't think it needs to be revisited over and over and over again, and this is one of many lawsuits. I happen to know some more details about this one in particular than I have about the others, and um, I don't want to get into it because, it's again, like I said, it's not going to benefit anybody. Like It's not going to help Art Bryles. It's not going to help Ian McCaw. It's not going to help... Dolores Lozano, it's not going to help Devin Chafin. Like, none, none of that. Like, none of it, it's going to help. It's not going to help us. But you asked, I've answered. So, um, you know, and like, everybody was a problem. Every, like, there was a problem. Like, there was nobody whose hands were completely clean in this who had a job in Baylor administration at that point. There was nobody whose hands were clean. That's why there's all different people in charge now. All across the board. President, athletic director, coach. Coach has been different a couple of times, but that's why it's all different now. Because everybody had, you know, intent, like intent. There was never any intent. It was just a, a, a lack of understanding of things that went on. And there are consequences for, for those things. When we come back, Jack and I jump into the football weekend. I think this is a, a pretty, this is not the dooziest of doozy weekends, but outside of Ohio State and Penn State, I think there's some really good games uh, that you need to shoot into. Jack and I will talk about that next. This is 365 Sports. Edward Jones Financial Advisors, Ben Erlinson, Chuck Verno, Brad Wilson, and Cam Heathcott understand these are difficult and changing times we live in, but they know how important your financial investments are to you. So is your financial advisor staying in touch with you and helping you navigate today's financial climate? Invest with Edward Jones Financial Advisors, Ben Erlinson, Chuck Verno, Brad Wilson, and Cam Heathcott will invest their time and experience back to you and your money. And like coaching athletes, investing money is about time, patience, and encouragement. Contact Ben Erlinson at 254 859-8533, Chuck Verno at 720 North 64th Street, Brad Wilson's location at 250 Sharon Drive in Woodway, and Cam Heathcott in Conroe. Edward Jones Financial Advisors, Ben Erlinson, Chuck Verno, Brad Wilson, and Cam Heathcott, proud sponsors of 365 Sports. Edward Jones, making sense of investing, member SIPC.
Baylor Scott & White Southwest Sports Medicine Orthopedics, the team physicians for Baylor Athletics, diagnosing and treating all sports-related injuries, including concussions. These specialists also provide orthopedic services for athletes and non-athletes alike. Whether it's knee or shoulder pain, a wrist injury, orthopedic spine care, and even an arthritis and total joint clinic. Trust the doctors Baylor Athletics trust. Baylor Scott & White Southwest Sports Medicine Orthopedics wants to get you back in the game. TFNB Your Bank for Life is the official local bank of Baylor Athletics. Find out why more Central Texans are making TFNB their bank for life. Sign up for our Edge checking and savings accounts to earn interest or cash back. With five convenient locations and an award-winning mobile app, banking has never been easier. TFNB Your Bank for Life. Member FDIC. Petty Clinic Men's Healthcare in Woodway is now proud to offer you men... An exceptional weight management body sculpting product called semaglutide, also known as Ozempic or Wegovy. Semaglutide is an FDA-approved weight management medication. Once-a-week injections of this powerful medication offers an average body fat weight loss of 20% within the first year of treatment. In addition to body sculpting, semaglutide also normalizes blood sugars and has the clinical research proof of reducing blood pressure, cholesterol, stroke, and heart attack risk. If you're like most men and you have stubborn fat that will just not respond to typical diets and exercise, then help us finally here. Semaglutide, affordable, highly effective. Google search Petty Clinic Waco and reach out to the Petty Clinic team today for a free consultation with Dr. Petty to see if semaglutide is right for you. Go to PettyClinicLowT.com. The 365 Sports Friday Show is presented by Bird Culchin Ford and the U.S. Army Waco Recruiting Company. Welcome back, 365 Sports. Paul Catalina and the lovely and talented Jack McKenzie. Thank you, Paul. Have you ever been described as that way? Lovely and talented, no. I think each separately, probably by my parents. Yeah. Would your mom call you lovely and your dad call you talented? My mom's definitely called me both at different times, and then my dad's definitely called me talented. Yeah. Yeah. Lovely's not something you want to be called by your dad, probably. No. He's given me plenty of good compliments, though. Yeah. I mean, like, there's plenty of good things that that your dad will call you. My dad never called me lovely. You know? He never did. Yeah, but, I can tell. But he was, <laughs> he, was, <laughs> he was he was he was he was great at, he was great at dadding though. So uh anyway. Um uh, uh Jack, this is a good like we'll start with Ohio State and Penn State, because that game that is the game that deserves the most talking about, right? Yeah. I I love that we're getting like mid season matchups like this. It seems more frequently now. Uh I think a lot of teams are I think while there are teams that certainly suck, most teams because of Perry are getting at least a little bit better, and games are getting better. We're seeing college football at its at, at you know on on an up an upswing right now, in my opinion. I think that all the things that you hear about, like oh nil and transfer portal, and this has made everything bad, and conference realignment, and da 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 da. I think a lot of that actually has made some of it better, in that now. You see better games. Look, the, you know, 
I know that the, I don't want college football to be in the NFL, and I don't want the NFL to be college football. I want them to have their own unique things. But there's nothing wrong with taking advantage of the things that not only the NFL but other sports do well. Like one of the reasons college basketball is so good, and I think it was it's hard to see for people who are football fans and maybe not basketball fans. But one of these college basketball in the last few years has gotten a little bit better is because. You know, if you see, like, who's won titles? Like, Baylor's won. Who's been in Final Fours? Baylor. And they've never been in the Final Four before. San Diego State is in the Final Four. Like, all they're playing for championships. Now, granted, UConn won, and they're a dynastic type of team. That's fine. But, like, you're seeing more of this. If you do it in football, it's going to happen. And I think we're seeing, you know, rosters balance out a little bit where you can't run away and hide people. Now, look, Penn State and Ohio State are teams that can run away and hide with people because they're you know, long-time blue-blood type programs. Ohio State, a little bit more than Penn State, but Penn State, nonetheless, is one of the best places to, you know, be in a college football environment. And James Franklin has had a couple of nice wins, and he's, he's had a nice run at Penn State, but he's never been able to take, overtake Ohio State and Michigan. And he's going to have to do that this year. This is his best opportunity. Manny Diaz has that defense humming. Would you bang the under in this game or the over and how many points are scored because of these two defenses? Oh man. I feel like I feel like I should take the under more so because I don't trust the offenses as much. Um But yeah, I I'm in this weird spot where I need Ohio State to win to help me in our, our pick 'em over on the triple option. But I really want Penn State to win, and if I was if I was betting like money line or against the spread on the game, I'm not quite sure what the spread is, but uh, I think I'd be I think I'd be going for the Nittany Lions on that. Um, but back to to your earlier point about the the transfer portal and how college football is kind of on an upswing uh, overall. I think you're right, and I I think I was one of those people who was very scared of the transfer portal only helping the rich get richer, but I think it's serving like with basketball, whether pro or, or college, um, to really spread out the talent because everyone is so concerned about playing time and playing early because they want to get through college to that next step. They want to prove they can play, and then they want to go on to the NFL um, to get their career started already so they're younger and they have less wear and tear on their bodies and they can make more money for longer. Um, so overall, I do think you're right that the transfer portal is, is helping players seek and find playing time elsewhere, which is creating more parity in the game. Yeah, I mean, and, and look, a lot of these guys aren't helping teams win national titles, but they're maybe helping other teams not, yes. right? Like, it's not, you know, you... The transfer jo- portal is very anti-dynasty. Yeah, yeah. so JoJo, just like free agency is in, in sports, JoJo Earl is not helping TCU win the national title this year. Maybe he will... Eventually, I don't know. He's still got some years of, of eligibility, but he's certainly not helping Alabama defend the SEC right now, right? He's he's left from there. Brockmeyer, same thing. Like they're not helping Alabama win. Where, you know, in in the past, um, they were there for them. And when you had these injuries, like, all right, well, we're going to put another four star in for the four games. We've got this left tackle out. He'll be fine. But now you're okay. Well, this guy's, you know. You have less veteran leadership. There's all these things that, that, that have happened. I, you know, we've talked about it a lot, but um, I'm really excited to see in the Ohio State-Penn State game, like, can Penn State, like, they have not, they've shut everybody they've played down. They've, they've like I said before, they've just choked them all out. Now, they've not played uh, Marvin Harrison Jr. and 
Abuka and all these receivers, and they haven't played a running back like Travion Henderson. Now, Kyle McCord is not C.J. Stroud. Um, you know, I, I would stop short of saying he's just a guy, but right now he's kind of just a guy until he gets better. Um, he's not he's not someone who's going to, you know, be the first or second, third pick in the draft. Um, and I, I'll even say that about him three years from now, like whenever he does go in the draft. But he's he's established himself well, and he's played well. Um you know, Drew Aller uh, has probably a bit of a higher ceiling, so that'll be interesting. But you know, where does the where does the dam burst on either side that that this one goes? It is going to be a white knuckler for these fans. I'm I'm getting choked up about it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I think it's going to be entertaining football. What time's kickoff in that one? It's at 11 a.m. Kegs and eggs. Oh, beautiful! In Columbus at the Horseshoe. This is the one weekend I can uh, I can actually stay home and watch college football on the couch. Uh, up to this point, it's been going to Baylor games and then going to that one LSU game last weekend. Yes. So um, I'm, I'm going to double feature that one in the Baylor-Cincinnati game. Uh, like any good college football fan should, watch the best game and watch your team's game yeah. because odds are they're not the same game. Yeah. But um, do you think it's going to be one of those uglier Big Ten games or do you think we'll actually see like great execution, whether, whether it's defensive execution or offensive execution? I think you're going to see great defensive execution. I think you're going to see some big plays busted because somebody falls down or just like Marvin Harrison Jr. becomes Marvin Harrison Jr. You know, for a minute like that, you play the percentages. Okay. If he gets the ball five times, maybe four of those, they'll be able to tackle him right away. But the fifth one, maybe not. You know, like that's yeah. that's where it is. I think that's where it comes down uh, for for Penn State. Like, you know, and I, I do think that the running games have to like they're really going to lean into the running games because they're going to, you know, I don't think either one of these teams wants to get into where like the defenses don't matter and this is a shootout. I think they'd rather keep it tight. So, yeah. Uh, do you see home field playing any advantage in this game? Uh, yeah. I mean, it always does because I, I always feel like it's that much tougher to beat Penn State at. Uh, at Penn State, like, I hesitate to pick them on the road. Yeah. Um, you know, you picked Ohio State in the game, right, Jack? Yes. I picked Even Penn though I State. wanted to pick Penn State. <laughs> cannot emphasize that enough. <laughs> I dislike the Buckeyes. I thoroughly dislike the Ohio State Buckeyes. Hey, look. So, uh, we do a pick them on the triple option. And we have some stacked up punishments that we have not been able to get in and film. We've got, there's props involved. There's things. It's that episode is coming, but this week I offered Jack and Levi and Garrett, who all have varying degrees. Jack has one punishment; the other ones have multiple. That if they beat Pierre, who is our our guy on Thursday, he's in the lead, commanding lead. If they beat him this week, I will take their punishments from them. But if they don't, they get mine. They all took that deal, so that's what's on on stake for this week. It doesn't even matter how I do. For me or for you, doesn't it's not matter. Catching up to Pierre, I'm not catching up to Pierre. Well, you might, be, you might. I, mean, I, you beat I, can't, him. I can't this week. But yeah, I mean, if you I beat only him have this one week, pick you're... different than him this week. Yeah, and so, that was me trying to game the system. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, I um, yeah, I, I do think so. I got to address something that's going on in the chat room in a second after we talk about uh, some of the games this week. There's been a question about realignment that I, I really I need to nip in the bud. Um, 
So, but uh, Penn State and, and Ohio State is not the only good game. It's the first good game. Uh, Tennessee and Alabama is a really intriguing one, and these are two. This game is going to look if you if you were watching the SEC in 1996, this is what the game's going to look like. If you were like, man, I missed the good old days of 1990s SEC football. Welcome aboard, because the quarterbacks in the in this game are are kind of playing that way. Um, there's the offenses while they both want to be wide open really can't be. So I think you're going to see some maybe big plays from either side. And I think it'll look a lot like, um, you know, Alabama versus A&M or, or A&M versus Tennessee. Like th- that's how the games are going to look. Um, and based on the fact that, you know, each of them have a common opponent the last two weeks at A&M, I just think that's how it's going to go. I think that's, and I think that's how Alabama is going to win games. The crazy thing about Alabama is, is that, they can win games however the cards have been dealt to them. I think that's what the true beauty of Nick Saban is. It's like, oh yeah, okay, it's the coaching. Yeah, how how can you win with what you've been given, as opposed to and he and he was willing to like absolutely teach everybody a lesson, knowing that he 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 was probably going to beat USF. And I and honestly, had they lost to USF, I don't think he would have regretted a decision he made at all, because he he needed to send a message to everybody around him that, oh, I've got a handle on this. I'm not, I'm not outside my mind. I'm not outside my mind. I just, I just need to find a way forward and let's, we're going to do like, we're going to Tampa with tough love. That's what we're going to do here. And when you see the two quarterbacks that throw out there throwing the ball straight into the ground and then the guy I benched because his attitude got bad for a week sees like, all right, I'll do it. Like, I'll do this as long as you want to. <laughs> yeah. I, I've got a couple questions about this game. Uh, num- n- number one, or not even about this game, but number one, what you, where you were getting out there with the uh, Alabama quarterbacks and uh, going to the USF. How much of that was Saban trying to figure out what he had, and how much do you think it possibly could have been him being like, we're going to win this game, so I'm going to show you the answer to – well, surely someone's better than Milrow. Uh, uh, Just get that off his back for the I, entire that was season. Told me what it was, or or to check, like to see, like also like the added benefit is like, all right, let me give somebody here a chance and see if they are. Yeah, uh, but That's also a nice way to look at it. also I he so like we kind of know what we have. We didn't make this decision by flipping a coin or you know by having a you know a spelling contest. Like this was made through practices and film work and what we, we see and what we think we can do. Now, has it, like, do they still not completely know what they can do on offense? Yeah, they still don't. But they're not, like, I think they're they're at the point now where they try to do something once or twice and, like, nope, not doing it. This is what we're going to do. And they don't have a very good offensive line by previous standards. Um you know they've got to run Milrow more. They can't. They don't have any kind of real intermediate passing game. The running game outside of Milrow's been. Jace McClellan's been better, but they figured it out. And they like their defense is still pretty darn good. And they they're opportunistic. They they do what they do when they need to do it. And I, I'll be interested to see like Tennessee beat them last year, and it took everything they had and kicking a last second field goal and a field Hell storming. Of a game. An amazing game, uh, one of the best games of last season. Everything college football is about. Yeah, absolutely everything college football is about. This year, I don't think it's going to be that romantic. No. I, I, I really don't. Uh, I think that it will be, you know, a little bit more of an old-school slugfest. But and I don't think Alabama just loses at home, and they lose to somebody two years in a row. It just, it just doesn't happen. Yeah, if, I, 
Hendon Hooker was still in play here, oh, yeah. then this is a different thing. I'd be I'd be hammering Tennessee on my bet then. Yeah. Then I think that maybe, you know, everybody would have Alabama right where they want them, but like we've seen around the SEC, everybody should have Alabama right where they want them. They're vulnerable. And they're not gonna like that's the other thing is where you can see like Clemson has a coach who's very uh, like stick to his guns. Nick Saban is a little bit that way, but he's also not going to mess around. Like he's not like he'll go, all right, well, what do we have to do? Um, and he'll do it. I, I, yeah, they're not going to stay, stay down very long. It would surprise me if Nick Saban didn't like adjust how he attacks roster building, because I don't think he's going to sit around and go, all right, well, you know, we made it through last year. We can do that just again. Fine. They're, like Alabama's going to make a push. Yeah. My other question that I was getting at earlier was um, how different do we view Tennessee this year if they don't trip up against Florida? Like undefeated Tennessee heading into this game. I, I know it wouldn't be like convincingly undefeated. Like yeah. it makes sense. They have the they have the one loss. Yeah. But had they not lost to Florida, what do you think people would be thinking about Tennessee right now? I don't know. Like I don't know because like they, you know, they, there's not they're not lighting it up exactly you know like so i think maybe thinking like well where's their loss coming like i think people would think well it's definitely this week in tuscaloosa you know but uh of course uh tennessee couldn't win in gainesville if florida played with three guys like they just don't win there i don't like it is an absolute black hole for them they have not you know they get down in the sunshine state and everything is backwards they just they just can't do it. I don't. Know, it's it's so weird uh, how those things keep up. Florida State. Uh, Florida State plays Duke. Uh, how, what do we know about Riley Leonard heading into this? He may, still day to day. Day to day, he might play. Ugh. I think they're going to try to trot him out there, and we'll see. But the risk you run with playing him against a very fast and strong Florida State defense is. Riley Leonard's strength is that he's a dual threat quarterback. He's a he's a pretty darn good passer, but he's a he's an excellent runner. And if he can't run to that way, then your offense is going to be a lot different. So, and as a matter of fact, I don't want to stand him up in a pocket with that pass well, rush coming at him. Like the the one thing I, I would say at Florida State's biggest weakness on defense is running quarterbacks. Like because they are they play man, they're super aggressive. Um, they have a really good passer. They're Jared Verse. You know, uh, I mean, they've got other guys, but they've got Jared Verse. Like he's he's alone enough of a, a factor where you're like, well, uh, you know. But because Dude is freaky, because their whole idea is a lot of man, and we're going to come after the quarterback as hard as we can. You know, running quarterbacks. Um, the game that they they almost lost to Boston College. That was because Castellanos was just like he he had a, a great game. Throwing on him too, but those are mostly kind of like big plays because then they had to commit to try to stop him running. Like he he ran on them in the parts of the game where Virginia Tech was looking okay, he ran on them. When LSU was in that game, Jaden Daniels was running on them. So running quarterbacks will get an aggressive defense. So if Riley Leonard can run, then that's something that is is in Duke's favor. But if he's still banged up and he's not full speed, then you don't really have Riley Leonard, do you? No. You have part of Riley Leonard. I still think that Mike Elko's defense will, will do a pretty good job of slowing down Florida State's run game, which has been uh, okay. It's not been as good as, as I think people thought it was because they've had to kind of go through some offensive line um, you know, injuries. 
Do you think it, that you can learn a good bit about Florida State's offense and how they can compete against higher-level defenses from this game? Yeah, particularly, like, if you're going to play Michigan, right? If you're going to play, like, a tough defense that doesn't make mistakes. If you're going to play Georgia, like, if, it, if it, which more than likely if they're in the CFP, that's who they're going to have to play. Um, you know, I think you find, I think you do. This is, this is one of those games where, all right, even if they win, like, if they win the game, no matter how they win, it doesn't matter. But, like, you'll see, like, okay, what they need to work on to play teams that – uh, run the same style of football, but have way better players. Like you got to be feeling like Florida State scores thirty some points without a lot of non offensive points scored. You're probably feeling pretty good, right? Yeah, yeah. But they like they've scored. They're on a twelve game winning streak, and they scored thirty points in all those games. So their offense finds a way. And the second half, in particular, in games, they they find a way. Um, I think it would behoove them to maybe start starting a little bit faster. Um, okay, oh then, God. 40 points. My bad. Yeah, no, we'll see. I, I, I don't think Duke's giving up 40. That's really, what I'm saying. Yeah, I don't think Duke's giving that's up why, 40. That's why I'm putting it at 30. Yeah, yeah, I'm putting it at 30. Uh, Utah and USC, I'm betting with Caleb. Well, he's not going to have that bad a game two days in a row, but um, the Rangers just, they're frustrating. Yeah, right they just botched a double play. Yeah. Didn't get either guy out. It, no. That was, no. I, I could tell you, you were... You're a little distracted by that. Yeah, but no, I, I think uh, – but back to Caleb Williams and USC. I think I think they win this week. Utah probably looks really good, you know, on defense and frustrates them because it – you know, they're just not like – you know, urgh, you know, they you, – you see USC probably feels like they should score 40 points in this game and they won't. Um, they won't. It's Utah. But, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but Cam Rising is still not playing, right? Yeah. So, how many points is Utah going to score? I know USC's defense is bad, but I still think they've got a good bit of talent on that side of the ball uh, between Bear Alexander and uh, Cobb, the linebacker, right? Yeah. So, I'm just wondering, can Utah score more than 28? Because I feel pretty damn good about Caleb Williams and USC scoring 28. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. That's, That's the way I think about this game. Yeah, that's how I think about. That's the way I think about it as well. All right, I think uh, Smokey might be a little ahead of me. He just sent me a text of the game. Uh, and finally, an interesting one in the uh, ACC: Clemson and Miami. This is a big game for either one of them. Uh, the loser is going to have three losses in this game. Both of them are um, essentially out of the title race. But as far as how you can go down the stretch, I I think this is a this is a big flashpoint game for them. And um, keep talking, Paul. Come on, so, we're on the air. <laughs> sorry. Oh, but yeah, I think it's a big flashpoint game for both of them. And we'll see. Like Clemson is still good; they're just not great. I think that's the frustrating thing for Clemson fans. And like you know, Dabo Sweeney kind of called them out last week, and you know, maybe we'll do this and that. I you know, blah 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 blah. Now nah, I just. They're just not great, and they they like Dabo Sweeney knows what he has to do. It's just depending on whether he'll do it or not. Um, Miami is still building, and you've seen they like they had the brain fart against Georgia Tech. They played well at stretches against North Carolina, but North Carolina's further on down the road than they are. They have Drake May, and they have Tez Walker again. Like that complete like Tez Walker's not in that game. Miami can maybe hang, but you don't have guys that can cover Tez Walker. There's not many like you give a wide receiver like Tez Walker to a quarterback like Drake May, there's not going to be answers for that stuff. There's yeah. not going to be answers for that stuff. Yeah, so. I mean that's that's a great point. And I'm I'm just a little sad that Louisville dropped that game to Pitt because Did you want to see the three way tie? Of course. Oh, yeah. 
I mean, Paul, come on. Yeah. Who doesn't want to see the three-way tie? I didn't. You didn't I, want to see a three-way tie? I mean, look, I guess Florida State would have been all right. I think like, Florida State was going to be like the one that get, that gets in first out of everyone because I expect them to go undefeated through this. Um, but yeah, North Carolina and Duke, uh, 3-0 and 2-0 respectively. Louisville at 3-1. and All of those schools have every chance, I think, to be that second team in. I don't know exactly how the schedules line up. I don't think Louisville and North Carolina play. Louisville and North Carolina, like Louisville, North Carolina, and Florida State all don't play each other. Yeah, which so is, that's why the three-way tie would have happened because they don't play each other. Yeah. So, um, so Duke Louisville next week will sort some of that out. It's an eliminate. It's probably an elimination game for one of them. I mean, Duke's only losses to Notre Dame. So if they lose to Florida State this week, then whoever wins Duke Louisville next week is is out of it, and then. Um, again, once you, like if you lose to somebody who's also a contender, so every, that's like two losses because now you need them to lose more than you did. For example, Clemson is technically not out of this race, but they need Florida State and Duke to each lose three times. And because North that's Carolina. A, what? North Carolina? Well, they could still play North Carolina. I mean, because they're not – like they play yeah. North Carolina later, but they, they need to win out and then have them lose three times because the head-to-heads – They've lost those two, so they don't own those tiebreakers. Uh, We're going to take a break right here, come back with a quick segment, and then we're going to do the top five. This is 365 Sports. During Ram Power Day. Uh, I I was asked, uh, Katie Rader asked about Florida State and Clemson and rumors to the Big 12. I'll tell you right now, based on what Brett McMurphy told us, based on everything that's going on, Florida State and Clemson are not coming to the Big 12 based on these three factors. A, when they leave the ACC, if they can figure out a way to do that, they want SEC and Big Ten money. They're not getting that in the Big 12. B, the Big 12, according to Brett McMurphy, who knows more about this than probably anyone, the reason they aren't moving on Oregon State and Wazoo is that if they want to expand, they want to see what happens with the ACC and see if some of those teams that fit what they do would come out as well if Florida State and Clemson leaves. So the ones that would maybe fit would be more like Louisville and... Um, and Pitt, Duke, like those schools fit maybe more of the Big 12 model. Florida State and Clemson want to be in like the big two. That's where they want to be, preferably probably in the SEC. They want that kind of money. Also, if, and no offense to the new teams in the in the Big 12, but if they wanted to do that, they could play those kind of teams and get that kind of television exposure. They could just stay where they are. The money in the Big 12 and the ACC is not too terribly different right now. Um, They're not leaving the ACC to come to the Big 12. uh, Unless the Big 12 has some kind of new TV deal that puts it on par with the SEC and Big 10, which it's still six years out. Which at that point, if they're still in it, then they're still riding this thing out. So, um, I I think that there's no... uh, like, there's no, um, there's no way that that would happen in my estimation. Yeah, no. I mean, it, it's, I feel like it's pretty cut and dried. Um, just the Big 12 does not have the, the money, the, the cachet to, to be a draw to the bigger brands that if the ACC does break into pieces would be left from it. I mean, those schools are going to go directly to the SEC or the Big Ten, whichever one will take them and whichever one they want to go to more uh, for some of them at the very top. And then after that, you will have some 
some schools, some brands, possibly Duke, probably Louisville and Pitt, that could fit really well with the Big 12 and would very much be at that level. Now, would I love to see Florida State uh, come into a conference that in the state that plays most of their games in the state that I live? Yes, I would love that. But I just don't think it's going to happen. I think that um, they are uh, they're waiting out to see to wait. They're waiting for that SEC offer, and they're getting the SEC offer as soon as they figure out their legal entanglements or not. And that's why this thing is very weird. They have a 600-year contract with the ACC. So until they figure out their way out of that, then the discussion to me is moot. I think it's going to – and moot's not the right word. I think it's going to move, like, slowly, uh, and then one day we'll just find out, like, they, they figured out what they're going to do or they figured out some kind of big money-whipping thing. So they'll, 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 find a way, they'll find a way to do what they want. And um, part of it also, I think, was – them announcing to the world their intentions to gauge and start politicking around that. So, you know, these discussions happen over long periods of time quite often, as opposed to like Texas and Oklahoma that did it totally cloak and dagger. And, and same with USC and UCLA. That's just not really how it's going to happen with these two because they know that they can't do it because everybody's going to be on the lookout for it now. Like the, the, you, the minute you complain in a meeting and you're in the ACC, they're like, oh, crap. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> They've had a meeting with somebody. Like this is <laughs> – who put, who put this in your head? Was did it you, the SEC or the Big Ten? <laughs> who put, were, you, were you talking to you? Did, you? did you see USC at something? Did you see them? Did they tell you it was a good idea? <laughs> tell us who told you. We warned you about them. Yeah, so that's how it's going to be. They're no good. Yeah. All right. When we come back, the top five. This is 365 Sports. Established in 2007 and independently owned, Alliance Bank Central Texas is committed to helping families and businesses meet their financial goals. From their tellers to their board of directors, they know the importance of superior service and competitive products. Customers have confidence knowing that their financial needs are in good hands. It's your bank, Alliance Bank Central Texas, with two Waco locations, 4721 Bosque Boulevard and 191 Archway Drive on Highway 84 and at AllianceBankTexas.com. Member FDIC see an equal housing lender. In Texas, there's pea-size hail and baseball-size hail. Guess which one hit our house? We didn't even know where to begin, but we called our Texas Farm Bureau insurance agent, and he was so reassuring. He knew exactly what to do to get our house back into shape and our lives back to normal. Now, we're even more thankful for the roof over our heads. Stop by and see our agents at one of our three McLennan County locations. Coverage and discounts are subject to qualifications and policy terms and may vary by situation. Three Nations Brewing Company has 16 different beers on draft with a new beer every Friday. It also offers two air-conditioned tap rooms, a large indoor beer hall, a second-floor mezzanine offering a great overview of the brewing company and equipment and patio where you can relax under the shade. Plus, you can now experience the new Three Nations Beer Garden Grill on our shaded patio. Grab a cold beer and enjoy a bite from our freshly prepared and delicious menu. Street tacos, quesadillas, freshly cooked burgers and dogs, and veggie burgers, too. Nachos and and so much more all prepared and cooked on site. So come visit the award-winning Three Nations Brewing Company on East Vandergrip off I-35 in Carrollton. I hate my job, but I don't mind getting up in the morning. I dread each day, but I can't wait to get out of bed. You 
And what I'll say to you is true. Well, you can get breakfast tacos at Rudy's Barbecue. Scrambled eggs and brisket, they ain't fooling around. Salsa draft sun, they're the best in town. Barbecue for breakfast, yes, it's true. Put a smile on your morning at Rudy's Barbecue. Time for Paul Catalina's Top 5. Brought to you by Texas Beef House. Where's the best beef in Texas? Your house when you order from Texas Beef House. Unleash the flavor of Texas raised Wagyu. From our pasture to your plate, TexasBeefHouse.com. No, Paul, pa- you can't get this hey, right today. Paxton, you're wrong. I'm in a, I'm in a fantastic mood. The mics are off, but the camera's on. I We just thought that you'd want to see how my face looks when I'm watching a baseball game. That's all it was. So. Yeah, my bad again, Paul. <laughs> uh, I'm having a great Friday. Golly, Jack. That's the... Eh, just fire me already. <laughs> Golly, just top it. five thoughts on Jim Harbaugh and this whole mess uh, he finds himself in right now. Jeez, where is... Uh, there we go. There's my list. Number five. Why was this necessary? Like, you can, if this guy is so good at stealing signs, why can't you just have him do it in the legal way? Like, that's, look, stealing signs is not illegal. Breaking the rules to steal them is illegal. So, that's why, like, why is all this, again, necessary? I asked that for, like, uh, Spygate. I didn't ask it for deflate gate because I, I knew for years that quarterbacks like to, you know, have a little bit more grip on the ball. So like when that happened, I was like, Oh yeah. I mean, that's pretty common practice. I mean, that's, you know, I, you know, uh, pine tar wasn't that big of a deal to me in baseball until they invented that, like the super tech, which was like 7,000 times as sticky, <laughs> you know, <laughs> like that was, that was a, a bigger issue um, but if you're like, again, if you're stealing signs in baseball regularly, like that's fine. Like that's gamesmanship, but it's where you like, okay, well, I'm going to take this gamesmanship and I'm going to take it to another level. That's where it's cheating. And if you're Michigan again, why is it necessary to go do this? What, like, why do you feel that you need to push the envelope? It just seems to me like a huge waste of their time and energy when if you've got a guy that's already pretty good at it, as he clearly is, just let him keep in that lane. Yeah, I, I don't have an answer for this one. Yeah. Does this open the door for radios in helmets? I think it absolutely should. I think this is a long overdue conversation. I think most coaches are for this. I think most of the excuses at the FB, like the other thing, and this, this kind of came out in Washington this week. You know, in the NIL hearings, in that, you know, there's all these concerns about like Title IX and like little schools and small schools and what you're like, well, you don't have to change the rules for all of them, but let's deal with how big football is. Like, let's admit it. Like, not admitting that college football and men's and women's basketball are bigger than all the rest to varying degrees, and it's clear a one, two, and a, a huge drop off to three, but those three things, and there's more opportunities for those people than there are otherwise, then, like, if you're not going to admit, like, like, oh, it's just a little small mom-and-pop restaurant called Chili's. Like, no, there's a billion of them, okay? They're all over the place. Chili's is doing great. 
Okay? Like, just admit that it's doing great and take advantage of it doing great and stop worrying about the things that are not going to change no matter what you do. You can keep the rules the same for them. You can do that. But you can also say that, look, if men's and men's and women's basketball are different and football is different and the revenue they're bringing in, then let's make that the case. And, you know, if you're worried about baseball players and softball players complaining, then they're going to have to sell more tickets. Like, that's just how it's going to be and get better TV deals. The sport's going to have to become more popular. Plain and simple. Uh, just like radios and helmets are like, well, not every school can afford this. Like, at the FBS level, like, if you are... If you can't afford this, then what can you afford? You have your coaches have headsets, right? You've got film, you've got all these things, you've got big stadium crews, you can't have two radios and helmets? Come on. Like it, like the excuses are are kind of over for me when it comes to that. The excuses are over. I just don't necessarily see how this is this uh headline is uh an open door for for that change. Yeah, I mean, maybe it just because if you, if you really like, okay, you really want to address it, you really want to stop sending a guy, you know, like, you know, do that, then just like take the technology. If you like, then you don't have to like spend money on the signs and blacking out the back and you don't have to hold it, oh, you know, like do this anymore. Just call the play. <laughs> I mean, that's it. It's the, like, and it's not like the technology doesn't exist. Like that's that they're like having to invent something. The NFL has been doing it for 20 years now. Just put the radio on the helmet. Just do it. So I hope this maybe. I sometimes like you're right, Jack. Maybe this individual case doesn't. But it is Michigan, and Michigan has a very like big time head coach. So if Michigan chooses to make it about in some way, shape, or form, including but, this, then. It could get I, the, done. Well, I think the Big Ten could. And that's why I think it's good because Ohio State, Penn State, Nebraska could all be like, yes. You know what? Here's the other thing you can do. Subsidize it at the conference level. If you want, like, if it's going to be, a you know, a um, you know a 14-2 to 2 vote in a 16-team conference, subsidize it at the conference level and be like, look, here you go. Take it out of the dues. Like, you know, we'll we'll have it there. Like, there's... The reasons for not doing things quite often are silly. Yeah. So there's, I'm an answer man, Jack. That's what I do. I see problems. I solve them. Yeah. I'm like vanilla ice. If you got a problem, you will solve it. That's me. Number three. What does the NCAA actually do about this? Diddly squat. <laughs> yeah. What do they do? So you're going to investigate this and it's not going to, I mean, they're not going to be done before the national championship game in January. There's no way that they're going to fit. Like the thing is you really only need to prove the way. And this is the weird thing about it. Do you need proof of all the instances or just one? Cause if you prove that he did it once, do you really need six months to prove that? But if you have some sort of smoking gun on him, then couldn't you adjudicate this faster? But that's not really how they work. Right, yeah. they work slow. They work very, very slow. So some might prefer methodically. Yeah, methodically. but no, they're slow. <laughs> they're slow. You methodically build stairs so that they don't crack when people walk on them. This is just bureaucracy at its finest. Yep. 
whoever invented bureaucracy way back in the day would look at the NCAA and be like, this is what I, I wanted. This is the perfect thing. <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm so happy that I came up with this idea. I knew, I've seen some people be good at it. The NCAA is great. Like they are, it's perfect. Yeah, wrap me up in red tape and call me effective. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's who they are. Number two, how common is this? That's the, I think one of the things I'm, I'm most curious about is, is, are there other people doing this? Because like when the Astros thing came out, you know, then you heard about the Red Sox, you know, and the Red Sox manager was in the, like he, he just took the plan and applied it to the level that they could do in Fenway Park, which was not the same as they could do in Minute Maid Park. But the Red Sox were doing a little bit. The Indians got caught for Apple Watches. Um, I'm sorry, the Guardians now, but they, they were. The Cleveland got caught for that. Um, uh, the Yankees, there was some stuff about them, but nothing ever really came of it. And so there's been like varying degrees of accusations of teams that do it. Um, for a long time, there was a deal about the Rangers and the center field wall, like even yeah. predates the Astros. So that's baseball. What yeah. about college football? So those things, but college football-wise, is Michigan just doing this the most egregiously, or are there other people out there doing it? And sometimes I think you find out the things that other people are also doing by the response from other schools. And... um or other entities. Like I remember the Fiesta Bowl had a big uh, bribery scandal about 15 years ago. And there was some talk about them losing their BCS status. And the Fiesta Bowl was brilliant about it because they said, all right, listen, we will open up our books and we'll do a full audit and you can see everything that we've done. If everyone else does. We would also specifically like to see the Sugar Bowl in New Orleans and the Orange Bowl in Miami's books because those cities politically are um, not exactly pure as the driven snow. So we would like to see those. And then the other ones were like, I mean, let's look, you guys messed up and we will punish you for that. But like, maybe we got out over our skis. Let's not talk about seeing books. Let's not. Well, audits, audits, that's nuts. Sorry about this. This matter's closed. We'll see you guys later. That what I wonder if there would be any of that for, this where it's like look yeah he crossed the line but he meant well <laughs> you know just trying to get an edge who among us hasn't right like that's when you'll see it so um <laughs> barry crawford apple has offered to provide headsets if players will sell headset subscriptions <laughs> that's a great line <laughs> yeah. absolutely great line barry uh from the chat room all right number one is Harbaugh in the NFL next year anyways? Like, is this just the latest thing of him going, look, I've, I've had my dalliances, the Vikings, I think the Lions, you know, like nibbled after him a couple years ago. The Dolphins would love to ha- would have loved to have him because Stephen Ross is a Michigan man just like Jim Harbaugh is a Michigan man. He took San Francisco to the Super Bowl. Um, you know, when I was, uh, I was at that, covering that Super Bowl, he took them there, so... You know, um, it wouldn't be far-fetched to see him jump back in. Um, there'll be NFL jobs open uh, and ones that might tickle his fancy. So is this where he thinks he can win the national title and then jump to the NFL, and then he'll have everything he ever wanted? Gets Michigan a national title. And I I thought, like, I predicted, I, I think Michigan is the best team in the country, top to bottom, and I, and I predicted at the beginning of the year that they would win the college football playoff and the national title. 
But, um, you know, that all remains to be seen. They haven't played anybody tough yet. But this just points to me like he's going there, Jack. You know, yeah. like, like, look, if the Packers job was open. No, I don't want him. <laughs> uh, the Bears job is probably going to be open. Should be. You know, um, I don't know about the Panthers. They might ride out another year uh, since they've, you don't want to just keep firing head coaches. Um, yeah, there will be jobs open. There's, al- jobs. there's always, like, what, at least six, seven yeah. jobs open? Yeah, there'll be, there'll be a few, you know, open. Um, New Orleans, we'll see how they do. You know, I think that one could be in question. So, yeah, there's going to be jobs that, that Jim Harbaugh might be interested in. So, we'll see. That's going to do it for us. Thanks to Jack McKenzie and Josh Neighbors and Sam Bradshaw and Grayson Grunhafer and Joseph Duarte and all of you who watched uh, today on the show. Uh, we are on the air live tomorrow morning, 9 o'clock for Baylor versus Cincinnati pregame on KWTX and here on the 365 Sports YouTube channel. Thanks for watching. Have a great weekend, everybody.